0: Tune into the Neil Prendiville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM.
1: Morning all. Today's a big day, of course, uh, because from today, uh, we're pretty much responsible for our own virus protection. Or are we? Employers are still insisting, I'm told, in certain settings that employees wear masks. And I'd love to hear from you if you're one of those. Text 0868104106 and the reasons being given. But from today, the mandate... Uh, to wear a face mask uh, on say the likes of public transport and in shops is gone. Schools as well, face mask no longer needed to be worn in schools by pupils or staff and the pods are gone, physical distancing is gone. But there is still general advice though, strong advice they say uh, to wear one on a bus or a train. Not everyone will, not everyone won't but it's about personal responsibility at this stage. There are other changes then with regards to isolation positive text, tests, close contacts and I'll come back to that a little later on, but I am getting emails and texts from people saying that they're still being told that they have to uh, wear masks at work and they're wondering why, what's going on. What's going on is right with regards to the Russians and and Ukraine and the European Union and a lot of uh, the rest of the world pushing back against Russia but only with sanctions. Now, I know some European countries are also uh, giving aid and giving military arms. We will never do anything like that in any way, shape or form but I know people have been gathering all over the country and putting food packages and clothing packages together. Front page of the Mirror this morning has a dad saying a tearful goodbye to his young son as he boards a train to safety with his mum and his sister. Uh, This dad, of course, is part of the Ukrainian resistance. They are so brave. Uh, Maybe, like me, you were watching a lot of it over the weekend and it's heartbreaking on one hand but uh, also you can't help but admire and be in awe of the bravery of Ukrainians heroes fly out to fight these are Irish Ukrainians off to war they're calling him Mad Vlad uh, Putin these days. Uh, I've got to give you that phone there. Somebody's phone in here keeps on going off so maybe if we could just take it out. Thanks so much appreciate it. But a group of brave Ukrainians amongst them of course Pavlo Serdiuk uh, who's living in Cork. He's a, he's a plumber in Cork I believe. He has now left with 11 or 12 other young Ukrainian men. Husbands, fathers, sons made their way to airports across Ireland at the weekend in a bid to go home to war torn Ukraine. And Pavlo who's living in Cork says it's my duty you know uh, to my country it's in war now, so I have to go and do what I can. Uh, he must be very, very fearful for his own safety. But, of course, his his pang um, of uh, loyalty to his country drew him back to Ukraine and heroes one and all. Irish resident Ukraine's heading east to take up arms against Russia. Pray that they will be safe, is the front page making the echo today. This is a Ukrainian woman, Natasha Buckley, uh, who's lived in Cork for the past 20 years, described her fears for her family who are currently in the Ukraine. She says... It's it's so sad because all that they can do here in Ireland is pray that they will be safe. Now, many protests over the weekend, and I know there were gatherings in Cork, I know that there was a, a gathering in Dublin at the uh, Russian embassy, but right across the world, wa- world, right, widespread outrage over Russian aggression Erupting into protests around the world. And of course, one of the big talking points now is to add as to whether or not uh, the Russian ambassador should be expelled. And I'll have more on that in a few minutes. Time. The big worry now with regards to, as the sun also calls him, Mad Vlad. Is that he's put the Russia and the Russian military on nuclear alert. His atomic bomb forces on high alert yesterday. It's an unprecedented escalation. Don't know whether it's out of frustration or that he always planned to, um, you know, increase the temperature with regards to aggression. But there is the chance now that he could actually go nuclear. And the world outrage uh, at Putin's making a nuclear threat makes the front page of the mail today. So more on that throughout the course of the morning, undoubtedly, particularly with regards to the core connections to it. But talking of Cork, I uh, see the Irish Times this morning that the uh, there's a, a landmark wrongful death claim now been lodged against uh, Care Choice, Bally and the HSC. It's uh, lodged by a man called P.T. Doyle. Uh, sorry, Coyle, I should say. And very sadly, his, his wife, Veronica, died. Uh, In February of last year, a 64-year-old mother of three, she was suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia. She tested positive to COVID-19 during an outbreak at the home and died just a week later. So he has lodged papers now on a landmark wrongful death claim, and that makes the front of this morning's times. Problems in Ireland then with regards to how people socialize, and uh, a lot of it does involve illegal drugs, so it can be cocaine, it can be cannabis, it can be ecstasy, it can be all sorts of different tabs like that. But when you look at the whole of Europe, apparently cocaine and heroin are easier to access in Ireland than any other country in the European Union. Irish people are among the EU nationalities most supportive uh, of regulating a range of illegal drugs rather than having an an outright ban on them. So that's quite interesting in the sense that one in five favour the use of cocaine being regulated. And to regulate it, you'd have to legalise it. It's rag week, of course, and there's been warnings again uh, for the week ahead that everybody who's out drinking and partying, and it's it's an entitlement really, to uh, party and to socialise, particularly first years in college, but of course to do so responsibly. Um, And uh, unfortunately, from time to time, we do hear of problems up around College Road and areas like that. I hope it won't be the case this week. But the big warning these days for students is, of course, more to do with having their drinks spiked. And um, lovely story making uh, the examiner today of Anthony and Catherine O'Reardon behind the counter one last time at Dan Lowry's pub. It's a lovely photograph of the two and indeed customers and staff uh, celebrating with them on the inside pages of the Examiner because they have retired from Dan Lowry's after 27 years. And a lovely couple. You won't meet nicer people. Then when the papers talk of uh, other stories regarding uh, beverages and food, of course... What comes to mind? Pancake Tuesday. And today's the day you need to make sure that you got everything you need. So you gotta make sure that for tomorrow you've got the flour, you've got the salt, the eggs, the milk, the water, the melted butter, and of course the toppings and the fillings. So I may have more on that with regards to how do you like yours a little later on this morning. But if you are fed up of Earth, then it's getting ever closer now chances of living on the moon because there's a tech firm now have come up with uh don't want to overly complicate it but it's it's a it's a machine that they've come up with that can extract breathable air from moon rocks on mars which means that for the first time you would be able to go and live there uh, you'll be able to breathe the air there but i imagine it would be very boring you'd probably get fed up of of the novelty of bouncing around on a trampoline-like surface for a long, long time, you know, with regards to gravity. But after that fun passes, I imagine it's pretty boring, wouldn't you think? I mean, the view to Earth would be magnificent, i imagine. But if you look at the lunar landscape, you'll be long getting fed up there.
0: The Neil Prenderville Show.
1: And again, you could also suggest that there are people getting more and more fed up with planet Earth and would do it a change. Um, maybe you could just have a holiday home there and go there from time to time. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on our brand new number 0818104106. Our lines are open. But very seriously, uh, over, over the weekend, of course, many people were Uh, calling out uh, the Irish government with regards to whether or not the Russian ambassador should be expelled. Uh, And I saw Billy Kelleher post, he sat into his car, I I think this was on Saturday, so he sat into his car down in Glanmire, took a a selfie of himself in the car saying, Mr. Ambassador, uh, I'm leaving Cork now and I'll be outside your embassy in three hours' time and I will drop you to Dublin Airport. You're not welcome here time for you to go home he also posted this audio clip go home shame on you shame on you
0: shame on you 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 on you on you on you on you on you on you
2: shame on you And just to thank you all for coming here today. I'm not leading this. I just came up as a citizen, but also as an MEP,
3: I feel I have a role. And I want the other European countries to show leadership on this issue as well, and to send the entire apparatus of Putin home to Russia as a strong message of solidarity.
1: Billy Keller, MEP, joins me by phone. Billy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. uh, Simon Coveney's come out this morning now, following on from Micheál Martin at the weekend, saying that that's not going to happen. He has said that there are many hundreds of Irish people, both in Russia and Ukraine, and that um, Ireland has to protect their interests in the event of them needing to get out. You're aware of that?
3: I am indeed, yes. Um, I mean, I was reflecting uh, my strong feelings on this issue. I've spoken on this issue many times. Um, You know, we we have a significant problem in the sense that we have a Russian aggressor who is at the moment, in a friendly country called the Ukraine, where missiles are raining down on people uh, night after night, uh, where uh, hundreds of people are probably being killed at this stage, where millions of people live in shelters uh, at night. And um, my view is that um, the ambassador that is uh, presently in Ireland, who has spoken to the Irish people on a number of occasions has told us nothing but lies um, and has been very dishonest in his dealings with the Irish people in terms of what he said Russia would not do. He told us they wouldn't invade the Ukraine. He said if there was any military intervention, it was for peacekeeping purposes. And I can assure you, Neil, it is far from that as what's happening in the Ukraine at the moment. But what
1: what, what if he wasn't in the loop all along? What if he actually did believe that there wasn't going to be an invasion or a war?
3: Well, as far as I'm concerned, he is the voice of the Russian Federation and of President Putin in Ireland. And the, the voice that's being expressed and the sentiments that are being expressed by him are not in, 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 in line with the facts on the ground in the Ukraine. People are being killed, uh, the Russian uh, president has now escalated to the point where he has instructed his military yeah. to be prepared for nuclear strikes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is how far this has escalated. And I just feel that, you know, uh, the Irish people, um, while we're a neutral country and while we have shifted in, in recent days in terms of our support for our allies, uh, I don't believe that those people that advocate for Putin, that are apologists for him, should be in Ireland. They should be in Moscow. I can understand the sentiments that have been expressed by Minister Kovny and by uh, the, the Taoiseach Hall Martin, uh, but at the same time, you know, we have to send out a strong message. And I think the Irish people are appalled with what's happening um, uh, in, in the Ukraine and the aggressive nature of Putin and his stooges. And I include the, the ambassador in that.
1: And uh, you are aware, of course, because you're a member of the European Parliament, no European country has expelled an ambassador.
3: But no European country has yet expelled ambassadors, but I, know, I do know that there is continual discussions around the issue of uh, reducing the number of diplomatic people uh, from Russia in the European Union. Uh, let's be very well, well.
1: Simon Coveney did say we might well, in the next few days, expel diplomats. I mean, what's the difference
3: anyway? Well, I mean, look, there is protocol in terms of um, you know diplomacy, but at the same time, you know, we have military attaches uh, in the Russian embassy in Ireland. I mean, we should not have anybody. That is advocating, uh, uh, you know, in a military way uh, in Ireland at the moment. But I honestly believe that there should be, you know, a full review of across Europe. And I've already relayed this to my political grouping. Um, I've spoken on these issues before about Russian aggression. You know, um, they have been very, very aggressive to our member states, uh, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Romania for a period of time. Uh, I, I spoke, I voted in the Parliament on the, the resolution before Christmas, well in advance of there actually being an invasion. Uh, you know, everybody knew that uh, President Putin was, was, you know, actively building up a military uh, might along the border. And for fair people think that this is just a friendly exercise of the southwest coast of Ireland. President Putin has ships in the Atlantic and submarines that are nuclear armed. So he wasn't down off the southwest coast of Ireland for a friendly exercise. They, they are an aggressive, tuggish regime and they're intent on destroying Ukraine. And the, the sad reality is if we don't stand up to them, Ireland, the European Union and the international community, well, you know, we could be also faced for a very long period of Russian aggression towards the European Union. And just
1: with regards to Putin himself, all of the tabloids are calling him Mad Vlad. Do you think that he's unstable? Do you think that the man is insane?
3: Well, I've been studying him or watching him, observing him for a, a number of years at this stage, and... Um, and I, I travelled to Russia on a number of occasions as a minister of state many years ago. In fact, um, uh, I had you know discussions with President, president Medvedev, the previous president, now um, uh, a puppet to Putin as well. Uh, you could always sense that you know there was this view that they should return to their former glory, that you know the USSR or a Russian Empire was what was required. Uh, And Putin has always been advocating that. And he has been saying these things for some time. He said previously that, you know, Russia was a great country, but with with Ukraine, it is an empire. So he has had this view for a period of time. He has annexed parts of of the Ukraine already. He invaded the Crimea in 2014. He has been invading other countries around the place. And up until now, we have been very soft. We've had given kid gloves uh, to Putin. We've given him a pass on a number of occasions. Now, of course, the reason being is there was a massive fear that in the event of you going hard in, uh, in Putin, you know, he, he could retaliate with the ultimate weapons. Uh, and that was always the fear and the concern. But at some stage, you know, when he starts rolling tanks and troops in over borders of friendly countries that were of no threat to, to Russia and have never declared any intention of invading Russia or undermining it, you know, we really do have to wake up. And that's why. Well, he, d- the, he
1: did talk I, about. Not, for, listen, don't think for a moment I'm trying to defend this guy. But he did. He did. The worry was NATO, wasn't it? That Ukraine would join NATO, and other former Soviet states would join NATO, and that was a step too far from him. For him, is that is that bull?
3: Yeah, well, look. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, what Putin doesn't want is a successful, democratic uh, Ukraine, uh, a country that's you know Western in, in outlook, uh, that is democratic, that's free, that is free media, free judiciary. Uh, basic freedoms for people and if it became politically and and economically successful it would undermine the the argument that putin makes about how he runs russia which is autocratic which is despotic which is a dictatorship effectively uh, dressed up as um, a pretense democracy Uh, so he doesn't want to see the ukraine being a successful country and he's been consistently undermining it there's been consistent cyber attacks They've turned off electricity in in, in Ukraine from time to time through cyber attacks. They've been undermining its financial systems, its banks, for many, many years. This hasn't started yesterday or or the day before. Russia has been consistently undermining Ukraine uh, through cyber attacks. And now, obviously, through military intervention, yeah. through financial pressure.
1: I, I read a lot at the weekend, actually, of the blame being put front and center on Joe Biden, that he was asleep at the wheel, that he gave interviews in the past saying in the event of some kind of a Russian incursion into another country, that they really wouldn't do anything, depending And the, the, the impression they were giving. The articles I read was that Putin was able to read into the vulnerability of Biden, knowing that, uh, listen, if I do this, he's not going to react. Not say unlike maybe Reagan might have, they were saying, or even Trump might have reacted to this.
3: Well, I mean, there's two things to that. I mean, firstly, the Ukraine is a member of NATO. So, I mean, from the point of view in NATO, if one NATO country is attacked, all NATO countries respond. But Ukraine is not a member of NATO. Uh, Putin has been very concerned that Ukraine may join NATO, but bear in mind NATO is not uh, an organization that forces you to join uh, you, you join uh, you make a decision by the government and by the people, and you join uh, NATO and All the former Soviet countries and those that were under the sphere of Russian influence for many many years all joined uh, NATO uh, in a free democratic decision of their governments and their people uh, when, when they came out from under new need the ussr so those countries shouldn't know more than anybody else you know the the type of uh, autocratic despotic regimes that the russians run so um but like from biden's point of view i mean i know there was a lot of criticism but are we expecting the americans to consistently put troops in the ground to defend us um you know are, are we expecting the americans to uh, f- fly their um their troops um into and i I, them, I, I don't i don't know i
1: mean do you think that it should move up to a military response
3: well, I mean, there is, there is massive support now uh, flowing in from the European Union and from individual member states of the European Union and individual NATO states into the Ukraine. It, but it is the Ukrainian people who stand alone in, in the face of Russian aggression in, in, in the country itself. But if there had been a, an invasion of uh, NATO troops or American troops to defend uh, the Ukraine, you know, we could be looking at a vastly different world today and tomorrow uh, and next week. Bearing but in mind but that if that doesn't
1: happen, will the, will it, but if that doesn't happen and there's not a military response, will it be enough then, these economic sanctions and trying to cripple their banking system, which seems to be working from what I can see, will that be enough...
3: Well, look, I mean, everything that diminishes Putin's uh, financial capacity to wage war, uh, it does help. And, you know, the Ukrainian people are putting up huge resistance. There is no uh, military aid and financial aid uh, flowing into Ukraine to support their efforts uh, to stem the tide. And all you can hope is that the Ukrainian people can, um, you know, uh, fight off the Russians. And over a longer period of time, that Putin will be weakened. And, you know, someday the Russian people may get sense themselves. And, 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 you know, move to liberate them from uh, the oppressive regime that is Putin. You know, he won't always be there. But in the meantime, we don't want a situation where we escalate this. No, but is it, uh, is, it fair, is it
1: fair that you have a 23-year-old Ukraine plumber living in Cork, going home? He has no military training. And the people in Ukraine have no military training. They're making their own Molotov cocktail bombs, for instance. Is it, is it enough for the rest of the world to just look on while, while civilians are fighting the Russian army?
3: Well, I mean, that is the, the big discussion, uh, Neil, that uh, we all have to have in Ireland and elsewhere. I mean, are, are we willing uh, to commit Irish troops uh, to, to assist um, the Ukraine? Or are we asking the French to go or the British to go? Or but the Americans should, go but should they? Them? Should they? Well, I believe that if we intervened, um, uh, in, not Ireland, but if the European countries intervened under the guise of NATO, we could have ratcheted this up to a very, very different state of affairs in terms of Russia. If they were being under huge press, threat militarily that they could ultimately use nuclear weapons and that 's what because he's he, stepping up to now isn't he the threat of that of course and that 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 threat is always there because I mean you know you are dealing with a dictatorship, you are dealing with obviously a despotic a demonic type of a character, and uh, you know he could very easily decide as he has already indicated his military will uh, and are preparing for the potential for nuclear strike so that's why
1: how- so why aren't you guys in the European Parliament? Just finally um, having a vote today, um, and then instructing all countries to all um, ask ambassadors to leave.
3: Well, ultimately, I mean, it's a decision for individual countries. But we have already, like, we've had votes on this, Neil, many times. We voted before Christmas for mass sanctions uh, in advance of the invasion. Uh, you know, for diplomatic uh, contacts to be. Um, diminished for massive sanctions to be put on russia we did this last december and like we are a parliament we're not a military organization we are just representatives of the people of the european union and we could see as far back as last uh, september october that president putin and the russian army were encircling the ukraine and they weren't doing it for any military exercises they were doing it with the intention of invading it was very obvious from a long way out we were warned by the military people in uh, you know and the experts that observe these things over a long period of time. Joe Biden has been saying it for some time as president that there will be an invasion. And unfortunately, you know, we even have people that give succor and comfort uh, to, to Putin uh, and wouldn't even support the sanctions. Uh, so like, it's very difficult for the European Union to make a decision when even some uh, countries and some members at the time were very reluctant to even put sanctions on Russia. Okay,
1: okay. So so the reason given by Simon Coveney this morning was that the lines of communication with hundreds of Irish people in Russia and Ukraine have to be left open on that basis. We cannot expel the ambassador. Do you accept
4: that?
3: Well, what, I, what I've what said to my political grouping, and I made a suggestion that... Uh, that all the uh, ambassadors from the member states should be expelled and that there should be one-point diplomatic uh, service available for the European Union to liaise with Russia itself, but that member states would send them home. Uh, Because, you know, while we do need to have some form and line of communication uh, available, I don't believe that the uh, the the Russian ambassador to Ireland is an integral part of what's going to be peaceful negotiations or diplomatic negotiations over the next number of days? Okay, so, yeah, we at, a level, and, yes, at a higher level, and it's going to be done at a higher level.
1: Was was the ambassador there uh, at the weekend? Did you meet him? Did he come out? Anything like that?
3: Well, apparently he was there. Um, that's what I had been led to believe. Um, I, I just did it, Neil, because I was uh, Saturday morning. I woke up. I had been looking at the papers the night before. I was, uh, you know, looking at the social media. Uh, I, I was just extremely angry, um, and I was extremely angry for a number of reasons. But because um, you know, people just didn't respond in time, in my view, to what um, the European Parliament voted for and what others were calling for, and that was that these sanctions should have been on Russia months and months ago.
1: And your sign says "Go home." You're a Putin puppet. You have insulted the Irish people with your lies.
3: Well, yes, Neil. I mean, if you, I I listened to all his interviews. Uh, he was on the Claire Burns show he was on Sarah McInerney um, on Monday and Tuesday I mean effectively he was just uh, you know telling us lies the Irish people he was lying to the entire people and um, I think that a person like that even a a diplomat or an ambassador I know they have to defend the interests of their country but he could have done it in a way that was much more diplomatic because you want
1: Ireland to have nothing to do with official Russia in any way shape or form
3: well, I certainly don't want uh, Mr. Philotov, uh the ambassador, uh, lying inside in a comfy bed above in Dublin while uh, Ukrainians are scurrying into uh, air raid shelters night after
1: night. Okay, Billy Kelleher, thank you for taking the call. Much obliged to you. You can text eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Uh Let me just stay with this, if you don't mind. I think I should have a couple of calls here. One is uh, line four. Frick, good morning. Neil? Yeah, just a couple of calls in response to Billy Kelleher. Go ahead. All uh, right, Frick, you yeah, me
5: Yeah, yeah. And I went, no, I just listened to Billy Keller. He's a knight. I mean, Billy Keller was the fellow that came in. Was it John Corbett and didn't wash his hands? Was that the same? What's, that got, to do,
1: what's got that got to do with this?
5: No, I, no, to be listening to him then preaching to someone. Did he look for the Israeli ambassador to be suspended? For what? For the uh, uh, atrocities that they have done. On the Palestinians?
0: Yeah.
5: yeah. Yeah. Did he look for that? Did he look for the Chinese? Did he look for the English ambassador when they were killing people? Um, he's suspended, you know, he's but, pre- there, must be, there must be an election coming up or something, is
1: You think that he would have been in the past outside the Israeli embassy if he was his move to... Yeah,
5: yeah, a, you know what I mean? I think that he's preaching again. He, 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 he a job uh, in Europe. But do, but do you
1: think that the Russian ambassador should be expelled?
5: No, I don't know, I, I, I don't. I'd know really, I wouldn't... Dip because they're not qualified as this was, you know what I mean? He'd have like, a lot of, more atrocities going on and they didn't look for anyone to be suspended, you know what I mean? And he's saying they're lying in a comfortable bed. They're lying in a comfortable bed as well. Like in Fianna Fáil, for the last two years, they were lying to the people as well, over a lot of stuff. So, I mean, his he's, he's party may have stopped at the border during the start of the troubles and turned back. Yeah, but Remember, since his party, yeah, they said well, he won't end in, in Italy, boy.
1: Listen, we certainly sat on our hands in 1969. I understand that. But we're yeah. talking about real world now. Things that are happening. People are dying now as we speak. And oh, yet we that. have Doing the Russian that. ambassador and the Russian embassy lying to people week after week after week. Now, they may not have been in the know themselves, but they are now. And, uh, and they, they can't criticise Putin. So we don't want anything to do with Putin and therefore we don't want anything to do with them. They have to go.
5: Yes, but I you Neil, that's up to someone else to decide that, I think you like, but it's not for Billy Kelleher, in my opinion. All right. He's coming on pre- preaching to people when he breaks and said,
1: All right, Frick, thank you for that. As always, Moray, good morning.
6: Morning, Neil, how are you? Uh,
1: what are your thoughts on what Billy Kelleher is saying and did?
6: <laughs> I think Billy Kelleher should stop stirring the pot, get himself in a taxi, and get out of the country. Why? Because, to be honest, he had no right to say something like that on behalf of the people of Ireland. He's a representative. Now, bear in mind, I haven't heard from him or about him in years. I actually thought he was gone. But um, Well, really, you, you won't word hear word. you no. won't
1: hear from him with regards to Irish politics per se on a day-to-day basis because he's an MEP in Europe.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the reason yeah. why you're probably not hearing much. He was
6: much. very quiet in Europe too when all the regulations were going on. You know, um, I honestly feel he should jump in a second and get out of the country himself after staring apart, the pot, we're supposed to be a neutral country. Now there's a lot of politicians coming out saying we're not going to be neutral anymore. They don't want to know the full story. And um, From what I'm seeing on the news, politicians after targeting Biolab in um, Ukraine. Now I don't know how true all that is because I'm not there. So I think we should mind our own business.
1: Biolab, what do you mean by that? Sorry? What do you mean by Biolab?
6: Biolab, Google it. They're, they're targeting biolabs or military bases, that's I right. Yeah, yeah, well, US, no, that it's, mo-
1: it's moved on from it's moved on from military bases. People are dying now. Men, women, children are dying.
6: I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I'm not like I'm not here to uh, talk about that. when I'm talking about it. Ireland has nothing got to do with Ukraine. Ireland has nothing got to do with Russia. We don't actually know what's going on there. There's too many stories coming out. They're all contradicting each other. I think for the time being, Billy Callagher shouldn't have said anything and just let things go. I mean, I don't know why we're trying to get involved in it.
1: Well, because we have no truck with dictators or people who go in and invade other people's countries and kill the people. That's like why.
6: England. What do you I mean? mean we, have own, we have our own problems here. Like we want to be minding our own business. We had a horrible history. I think now it's time just to sit back and watch. I mean, I don't think Ireland's going to be able to do a great deal with the war. We
1: don't have flexibility. capability or capacity. Well, in 1969, the Republic at the time just sat back and did nothing. We didn't send army in. We didn't go to help our northern brethren uh, in any way, shape or form. We did nothing. You're suggesting we should behave the same way now as then and just not get involved in any way, shape or form of whatever's going on in Ukraine.
6: What are you talking about in 69, sorry I missed that.
1: We had a chance to go in across the border when things were kicking off. Or Northern
6: Ireland, that's
1: completely different, that's our own country. No, no, but you're bringing up our history. Like for for 40 years an awful lot of Irish people did absolutely nothing uh, with regards to Northern Ireland. We just seemed to stand idly by and did nothing at all. Yeah, that's true. But we're
6: not talking about Northern Ireland, we're talking about Ukraine.
1: But that's what I'm asking you. I think we should just, are you saying we should just stay out of it? It's none of our business.
6: Well, if we get into it, what do you think is going to happen? We don't have a, a proper army over here. We don't have helicopters. We don't have bombers. And what do you think is going to happen? Well,
1: at least, he has, at least he has a personal opinion in the shape that he said, OK, we're not in NATO. We can't send army, but we can kick the ambassador out for what they're doing.
6: I wouldn't be kicking the ambassador out Not when we don't know the full story of what's going over in the Ukraine and Russia. We don't know. I mean, Putin's been talking about Russia or Ukraine for the last eight years because people are, uh, is it NATO, are, pushed, are coming in and are setting up bases along the border of Ukraine and yeah, Russia. Yeah. So, like, I mean, what would you? What would America do, we say, if Russia went away, right? Went to Mexico, put a load of <laughs> bases on the borderline of Mexico to think the US would just let them do it or would there be a problem?
1: (laughs) There would be a major problem. Let me come back after the break. Some more
6: calls. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, thanks for that. that. That's all I have to say anyway. I don't want to cause any problems but I don't think Billy Kelleher should be coming out just trying to start stuff for the Irish.
1: Okay, Maureen, thank you. Text 0868104106 back after the break.
0: Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. Uh, It's an interesting
1: text saying people are calling for the world to turn blue and gold instead of green. On St. Patrick's Day in solidarity with Ukraine. I think it's a great idea. No other country in the world has as much international outreach and profile as we have. Uh, And that day, St. Patrick's Day, could make all the difference. It would be a massive gesture. The Ukrainian people are proving themselves to be resilient and defiant defenders of their homeland against bullying oppressors, as the Irish people have been for many hundreds of years. Let's get behind this gesture of blue and gold and show the whole world that Ireland supports Ukraine and international peace and freedom. I believe, I'm open to correction on this, but I believe that the Ukrainian flag is flying uh, from Cork's City Hall. Uh, The Irish government didn't kick out the Nazi ambassador during World War II. Uh, so there's, uh, the, there's a Bob Hope of a Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael government kicking out the Russian ambassador, says Paddy. Uh, where are the people who said in your radio show last week that the Ukrainian people would welcome the Russian troops? We now know that this is not the truth. Another one, as much as we're disgusted with Russia, can you not close down your line of contact uh, you cannot close down your line of contact. Otherwise, you have no line of contact for de escalation. A bit of common sense is needed. That's with regards to somebody who's saying that the Russian ambassador should not be expelled. You know who did meet the Russian ambassador back in the day? Uh, Patrick Murphy, the chief executive of the Irish and Southwest Fishery Producers Organization. That's when the uh, US, or sorry, when the um, Russians were engaged in uh, naval exercises, of uh, commas, off the southwest coast of Ireland. Patrick, good morning. Good morning Neil. Uh, Good morning to the listeners. And you found him you found him to be uh, a man
4: of his word. But Neil, how can I say it different? The man told us what he said and he carried out what he said. We had our own Irish government telling us to stay out of the place because we were uh, not conforming with uh, collision laws, which was incorrect. We then had uh, statements coming out that we weren't the ones that actually had the negotiations, that it was the department and writing letters. And that was dispelled inside in the Oireachtas by the, yeah. the ambassador. Yeah. So yeah. like, but... but put that was, on that on that the was only to name. do...
1: But that was to do with the fishermen and the trawlers and the Russians off the southwest coast of Ireland. So he, he was true to his word in that regard in the sense that they, they moved to a different area
4: wasn't it but they if- moved- they moved from inside nori he's out into international waters yeah. but like I'm only saying to you what, but he what, wasn't, I, what I'm but saying
1: he, I know but he hasn't been true to his word when he said that Russia would not invade Ukraine so he that's an untruth so surely he yeah, should yeah, go but
4: Neil, yeah but let, let me explain that now first right the ambassadors the eyes and ears of the Russian people in Ireland right and he has fed the information from Russia so I don't know and I don't think anybody else can make that call because there was a lad on, on another radio interview with me he's given he gave eight years in Georgia as one of the people, the peacekeepers outside, and he agreed with me. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but what I do know is this. Every time there's conflict, we have to go through horrors of people getting blown to bits before we finally decide, you know, that's enough now. We'll we'll start the peace talks. Let's do it differently now first and try and get some peace talks going, instead of all this rhetoric of sending the Irish army under Pesco into that country, you know, and we throw away our ne- neutrality as as if it was a sock on us, st- you know, got, we stepped in a puddle. This is crazy talk, like, you know? We we are an independent, right, sovereign nation that are losing our rights in fishing waters outside when other countries are coming in, and we were left with 15%, you know? I know that, and, but... And, and the well, well, taken so if we had consistency across the board now with our politicians, we'd like to see them fighting for our rights the same as they fight for other people's rights. Yes, you know? but that, our industry is going uh, to be wiped out by a third, Neil. A third of our industry is going to be wiped out. And I'd like to see the same passion that was put on there from all our politicians because in fairness to Billy at least he does meet us and talk to us but well, we need to see that across the board we, had a meet, we called for a meeting with MEPs to discuss this um, annihilation of our fishing fleet and three turned up Deirdre Toon uh, Mick Wallace and, and uh, Billy Keller that was it nobody else that, that's what they showed so like we'd like to see the same gusto being shown to the Irish people because this isn't something we're losing tomorrow or the day after this is for every generation to come we're going to lose a third of our fishing rights you know, a, a third of our fleas, a third of the family businesses in our country. Mm, so I'm a little annoyed to hear this passion for, for this. And, and there's nothing wrong with that passion. Would we like to see it directed towards ourselves? But no, it's
1: just that the Russian ambassador is, is, is the spokesperson and the, and the mouthpiece and the representative of Putin in Ireland, right? And Putin Absolutely. is now threatening, now, away, Putin 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 is now threatening nuclear explosions
4: Absolutely. in Ukraine. So
3: listen, and this so listen to what you're saying. Listen to what you're saying.
4: Do you hear what you're saying? So we're going to kick out any chance of opening a dialogue with these countries by throwing their ambassadors in there. When did that ever work? We, we brought over what was the name of the man that came over from America, um, Mitchell, was it? Yeah. That, that came over to start the peace talks. Yeah. We have that opportunity now to start the peace talks. There's we I heard in the news, I don't know is it true or not? No, no, it's about talking, it's about the, sol- it's about it's about an act of solidarity with the Ukrainian absolutely, people. Absolutely, and I agree with you, and we stand with the Ukrainians and we help them every which way we can, but escalating it and putting more wars and more bombs and more bullets, that doesn't solve any problem. That just ends up with more lives and more innocent people getting blown and killed and we've seen that in every single conflict why do we keep doing the same thing over and over again let's start with the peace talks first and give these chance and I agree with the Ukrainians they should not be under this situation now and I feel for them 100% but do they really want another Syria where we send in more arms and guns and bombs so they can start killing each other at a mass scale and ordinary children and women and men on the streets getting blown to bits what will that solve just because we've Feel, oh, he's a dictator. We'll take him out, but he's not the one that will get taken out. It's it's the hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people that are in the firing line here. Just calm it down and let's look for peace first. Okay. Let's not antagonise. Let's not talk about sending Irish troops over under. Pesto Never and, ever said anything the Ukrainian The
1: only conversation I was having this morning was as to whether there should be a Russian ambassador representing Putin in our country at all. We want nothing no. to do with official Russia. He-
4: no, Neil. If I heard the interview, we were talking about why should the Americans be the ones that go over there? Why shouldn't we talk about? And you asked the question: Should we send over troops? And under PESCO was it was the answer. That's yeah, the right. European uh, military alliance, and we're part of that. Yeah, but so right. if they go, then our troops could go too. Yeah. And that, that to me is wrong. Yeah. I, I didn't sign up for but that. But it's when also I wrong Europe.
1: that a 23-year-old Ukrainian cork plumber had to board a flight to go back to his home country. In 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 the, horrific, in the certain in the the what's oh, horrific yeah, in the in the uncertain knowledge that he may die
4: yeah absolutely I think that's horrific and a martial law that anybody under sixty men have to leave their families at the border and turn back and go on, and 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 stand up to this that's the hor- horrors of war I agree with you Neil that is horrific so why would you escalate it. Why would you make it worse? Why not try the peace talks first? Why not put pressure on the ambassador to carry the message? Because there's back no Russia? real
1: there's no real talking to bullies like. You can't really cajole and try and sit down and have a friendly chat with the bully.
4: You gotta Yeah, act. but you see you can imagine yeah, but it's not the bully you're tackling here like it's the innocent people in the Ukraine, it's the, that plumber you're talking about. They're the ones on the front line, like. They're the ones that'll pay the price. That's the bully.
1: All right, let me get some more calls on the air. Thank you, Patrick. Uh Paul, good
7: morning. Uh, hi Neil, um, just ringing there on uh, behalf of my wife, she's Ukrainian and there's a lot of people coming on the radio there that actually don't have a, an idea what's actually really happening there um, a lot of people are afraid a lot of people are hiding in their basements um, a lot of people are upset, fleeing for their lives, families being split, women and children heading for the border, men heading for guns men never see each other again yes. so people who are coming on making ridiculous comments unless you know what's happening please stop upsetting people listening to the radio and what my wife I, is young downstairs crying her heart out listening to these people okay. who don't have a clue what's happening
1: okay well you're explaining and you are right many many people certainly in the major cities and towns are living underground aren't they
7: yes including my father-in-law
1: including your father-in-law and is there are you in contact is there regular lines of communication with them Yes, at the moment, yeah. At the moment there is, yeah, yeah. And wh- when you say ignorant people, what what are people saying that you find so offensive?
7: Well, there was a person who was speaking, a certain woman that I was speaking to earlier, just before um, you were t- speaking to this man, yeah. saying absolutely ridiculous stuff regarding the situation in Ukraine. That's it's what? so frustrating to hear pe- Look, I don't want to go through the whole conversation. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. But what can exactly. we do? What can we do? Like, firstly, should you the... Amb- just
7: show your support for Ukraine. Show your support for Ukraine. How? Send medical supplies, show support, stop um interacting yeah. with all these Russian um politicians and who are just spewing propaganda and lies. Yeah,
1: the, the ambassador? No.
7: The ambassador you're saying? Yeah, this man, yeah. Yeah, of course he's lying. He knows he's lying, of course. And anyone who believes otherwise is Fooling themselves.
1: And your wife, her father is in Ukraine. Has she other family there also?
7: Yes, she has um, an aunt, a number of cousins and, uh, and an uncle.
1: Okay, whereabouts in Ukraine, you might be asking?
7: They're all in far eastern Ukraine, um, between um, Donetsk and Lugansk, so right in the firing zone.
1: Okay, so there, there, there is fighting, bombing and shooting going on where, where her family members are.
7: Yeah, just up the road.
1: Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, have they problems getting water, food supplies, electricity? No, no,
7: they have have supplies, but the only thing is they can't travel. Like, um, I know Ireland has opened the borders to people, but people in this part of the country, they can't get out. Okay, okay, okay. It's too dangerous to even, you know, drive to the next city.
1: And are they anyway optimistic about these peace talks?
7: No. Why would a man put all these forces coming down from Belarus and send Belarus soldiers into Ukraine if he wanted to talk?
1: Yeah, yeah, because Belarus is on board with the Russians now, yeah? Of course he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, listen, thank you for taking the call, Paul. Appreciate it. we got more calls. You can text 0868-104-106. Back after the break.
0: This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106 Red FM. FM. And back to the phone lines we go Um, a
1: lot of Corkonian interest in what's happening because we have a community of people living amongst us now from all over the world and of course we know how many people have come and lived here and settled down and built a home in Cork uh, from Eastern Europe in particular Nina, good morning.
2: Good morning
1: Neil. Uh, You are from Georgia
2: Yes, I am.
1: Okay Um, and you've been living here for quite some time?
2: Yes I've been living in, in Ireland particularly in Cork for last 18 years.
1: Okay. Uh, and your text said, I was born in Georgia. We had a war in 2008. I have no doubt that the Irish people will do nothing here. Uh, what? What? Did you just want to elaborate on that?
2: Uh, no, I was just trying to make a comment. Uh, the lady, probably, there was a few minutes ago you were talking to, to the lady and her opinion was basically, well, do nothing because they don't know what's happening between Russia and, uh, and the Ukraine. So I I think that these days, everything is very clear and very straightforward, what the intentions Russia has against their neighbors. And the reason why I brought this situation back in 2008, because back in 2008, the whole world was watching how Georgia was under attack of the Russian military. And um, as far as I know, 2000 civilians died at that time. Unfortunately, part of my family as well. Did did members of your family
1: die in conflict? Yes,
2: yes, yes, Yes. absolutely. They were civilians. They were just living there. Basically, they were not military people at all. Just civilians, you know. And the Russian bombs are that's what we see just uh, today. So they were killed by Russian
1: bombs. They were killed by Russian bombs. Exactly.
2: Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And well, I'm not really into the politics, honestly, but that's what I see is. The Mr. Putin's intention is not only stop and take over over the Ukraine. If you're not going to do anything, if if the world is going to just sit back and relax and watching things from behind, we saw like a month ago, literally, uh, the Russia was trying to take some kind of a peace. I don't know exercises that the military wants.
8: That's
2: right. So I'm sure there was way far their intentions than just do some military exercises so we see then what's happening today my point is yeah you see um, biden the language understand.
1: of biden at the time was way too tame and lame you see um yeah that's what they're saying that the, and that putin picked up on all of that knowing ah this guy's a pussycat he'll do nothing i'll just drive on
2: yeah absolutely but what i'm trying to say is that the putin's intention is way far and take over the Ukraine, that's all I'm trying to say. I know for sure this next is going to be Georgia, and probably after a few days we're all going to see what's happening over there, and then it's going to be Baltic countries, and I'm that sure it's going to be Poland and the okay, rest Okay, so of this it? is
1: the start of worse to come, but uh, I know that, say, for instance, countries are sending military aid, they are sending weapons, the UK sent a whole yes. load of it, and I know a lot of European countries, yes. is that good news?
2: At some point, I think so. It is because what we see, like those sanctions, is not going to stop Mr. Putin. As we see, Putin is probably somewhere. I don't in know about head. that. He's the ruble, the
1: ruble has collapsed. The Russian banking system has collapsed. They've been uh, kicked out a lot of the inter, the worldwide intermonetary systems uh, like SWIFT and things. So they they can't transact with much of the world now.
2: Absolutely, Neil. But this is this needs some time before this economic sanctions will take over. You know, it still needs some time. But Putin is acting very, very, very fast. As we see, he's not really he's not doing anything. Just just waiting for. It. And I'm sure he was prepared for this. Isn't I it very sad? Yeah. Uh,
1: well, we'll have to see what the economic sanctions do. But isn't it very sad to hear a young 23 year old Ukrainian uh, living and yeah. working in Cork as as a as a plumber? Literally boarding a plane to go, to go back, back
2: to defense his country. Where Absolutely. he could die. Absolutely. He's
1: 23 years old. He's not military well, trained.
2: No, but that's, that's the sad part of this story. Even that's exactly what was happening in Georgia. Even these days, uh, Russia was basically occupying my country for the centuries. And Georgian people were trying to get rid of this monster for years and years and years. You have no idea. We are extremely familiar yeah. with his politics. Yeah. yeah, we know exactly what he represents economically, mentally, physically, militarily. Many ways. It's just absolutely in many, many, many ways. So we know exactly what we are dealing with. But I'm very happy to see that these days the world has been waking up, and they see what's happening in reality, what exactly the Russia's real face is.
1: Okay, okay, thank you, you for that. You
2: have no idea how happy I am. <laughs>
1: okay, thank you, Nina. We'll pick it up after 10, that, and lots more besides.
2: I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie.
1: Okay, Bernie on the north side said, Neil, what happened in Afghanistan? It's all Ukraine now, but we'll move on again and again and again. We'll talk and then go back to our comfortable lives. It's always that way. Morning, Neil. A quick message with regards to Ukraine for the silly people on the radio who know nothing. They should watch the film Winter on Fire, Ukraine's fight for freedom. It's on Netflix. They then might get a better understanding of exactly what is going on. The Russian ambassador should be expelled and should have been expelled as soon as the Russians crossed the border, full stop. Also, our military should be given a vote if they would like to go and help the Ukrainians. I think it's absolutely appalling that the world is sitting back watching this. Uh, Richie says, Where's, where, where was the solidarity for pro-Russian Ukrainian citizens when they were being bombed by the Ukrainian government for eight years? Is a little. It's a little consistency. Too much to ask for. As says Richie. Now there are peace talks, of course, um, that are due to start very, very soon. In fact, both sides are now heading to the Ukraine-Belarus border. There'll be the Ukrainian delegation and the Russian delegation. I imagine that all the Russian delegation are going to say is surrender, put down your arms. But let's see how that goes across this day. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone if you want to get involved in the conversation, uh, uh, 0818-104-106. And I see many, many texts and emails coming in on that and lots more besides. Uh, And I will come back to it um, after the break. Hold on.
0: The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at
1: NeilRedFM. My heart was broken watching families say goodbye to their menfolk as they left Irish airports to go and take up arms. The president and mayors of various cities are marked men. We're, as a nation known... We as a nation know what this means. We should make every effort to support Cork, Ukrainian women and children who are now left here as their men return to fight for their homeland. Perhaps, Neil, you could advise Cork people where to channel their support so it gets to these Cork families. Our hearts and prayers are with them. I know that is not enough. It will not put food on their table or pay their rent. Actions speak louder than words. And that's from Fanula McCurtain and she would know all about mayors uh, being marked men. And thank you for that, Fanula, by text to Appreciate that. Action speaks louder than words. But what can, more can Irish people do? You know, um, I know that there is uh, a lot of conversations this morning about all of the different arms that have been sent by various European countries uh, to Ukraine uh, to help. But of course, their armies are way outnumbered by Russian. Uh, Military. So the next conversation, I suppose, that's going to be had is as to whether there would be a military reaction if these peace talks fail. Would there be a military intervention by America or by the European Union? When I say that, I mean NATO. So I can come back to that throughout the course of the morning. Uh, Get in touch by text 0868-104-106. Big response to Friday's program with regards to our health system and the shambles of a health system uh, that we have in this country. And my conversation with Tess... Uh, who's well into her 80s and told us of her as a nurse who was nursing all of her life, incidentally, of how saddened and, uh, you know, I think she she said it was neglect and it was a form of abuse, the way people are kept waiting and waiting and waiting in A&Es. And while it's not a criticism of the staff themselves, it certainly is a criticism of the system that allows it to uh, continue Decade after decade. And Michaela says, It's disgraceful but not surprising what happened to that elderly woman. I'm 31 with an underlying health condition. I was sent to the CUH for a suspected stroke. I got an MRI more than 72 hours later. I've gotten used to the fact that they don't take young people seriously. But now I'm hearing letting old people wait in pain. That's beyond terrible. Marion says, I witnessed it myself. Two weeks ago I was in chronic pain for two days and two nights at the hospital before I got to bed. It's very frightening in A&E. You don't feel safe there. People calling out to doctors and nurses while passing them for help just to be ignored. The staff are cranky because they're all overworked. Shame on our ministers. It's safer to be sick at home if possible, says Marion. Rose says things will never change in our hospitals. They're too heavy with management and we all suffer as a result. God bless our useless government for continuing their useless work. Hope they all have a great trip away. Um, on there, I suppose you're referencing there all of the ministers and uh, you know government uh, staff that will head overseas for the St Patrick's Weekend Festival. I was in the hospital one night and there was an elderly lady on a chair. She was in with her heart. I asked the nurse, "Could I give her my bed?" The nurse said, "No, we can't do that." I asked why, and she said, "Again, no." It's a disgrace what's going on out there. You would have to experience yourself. I wouldn't mind, but there was a young fellow next to me full of drugs, and he was treated like a member of the royal family. I'll never forget that poor woman. I believe every single word that lady said, Tess, the staff don't look after them the way they should. They really don't care about people, says Harriet. So that's um, harsh criticism of staff. Denise says, that poor woman, what is our world coming to? Why can't anyone sort out our health service? I just don't understand how... Uh, How are we still like this? And it's only getting worse. My mother fell and banged her head. We went up when COVID was about. And when people weren't going to the hospital, she was still left over eight hours in a chair in agony. She only got seen to when she started getting sick around the reception area. Uh, Surely loads of people die in A&E with these wait times. We just never hear about it, says Denise. And shame, shame on government. No words can express my disgust. The way our taxes and all the taxes that we have ever paid have been and what they're used for. Climate change, ecology and carbon footprints. What about looking after what's important to us now? Or do lives not matter anymore, says Elaine. And just one final one for now. My partner is waiting 15 months for a simple gallbladder operation. In that time, he's had four huge doses of antibiotics and two emergency trips to the hospital. They keep him two weeks for both of those trips and still don't Remove the gallbladder. Imagine. What's going on out there is madness. On our last trip, he had sepsis and he was still waiting for a date for his operation. They should have removed it 15 months ago when he went in first, but they said they couldn't because of COVID. But yet you're telling me he still lay in a hospital bed for two weeks on each of those trips? Makes no sense. In fact, Greta calls it barbaric. I remember those torturous days when my elderly parents but I can't even begin to imagine how bad it is now during COVID for our frail and vulnerable elderly with absolutely no one to mind them while waiting for medical attention. But you can't fault the staff uh, who are doing their very best. But it really is an unacceptable level of so-called health care. And my heart breaks for anybody that goes in there under these circumstances. So keep those coming. I have an awful lot of them. All of this started from my conversation with Teresa O'Mahony, Tess uh, 86 and a half, um, who was out there and told an horrific story on Friday's programme of her visit and her stay in the A&E. So I will come back to all of that. But I got a handwritten letter in the post back end of last week from Tom Harrington. Tom, good morning.
9: Morning, Neil. Uh,
1: it's it's rag week. How, how's it, wh- where do you live again, Tom? Uh,
9: Connacht Avenue okay. area. How's it
1: been the last couple of nights?
9: Well, that last night was okay. I'd, I'd say that was down to the weather to be quite honest. Um what's I wouldn't out, hold out much hope for the week ahead. Okay. To be what, honest.
1: Are, what are you expecting like? What has happened in other years?
9: ah uh, house parties, roaring and screaming, going up and down the street, drunkenness, urinating, abusing anyone that challenges them, you know? Any residents, you know? Um as sure as as you know, like the last two years, up around here outside the rank week has been appalling. Mm, mm. The lockdown, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, as I said in my letter, there, like they came in from far away, Bishop's Belling colleague, because there's a lot of rented property, and they partied in a field nearby during the daytime, and they partied in the houses at night time. And of course, the government gives them three hundred and eighty euros a week to, to basically party. That's the way I looked at it, yeah. and I'm not alone in that. Like, but surely you
1: know. now, surely now that all of those lockdown situations are gone and the pubs and the clubs are open, that it should be—you should see a marked improvement.
9: Uh, no, sure. We we we've had issues. Uh, there's a couple of watering holes, not not too far from me. There, like, and they'd be hanging around outside there when the pubs close for ages, waiting for house parties and making desperate noise, mm. what have you, like, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, I mean, personally, I wouldn't have a Rag Week because the notion that charities receive a lot, a lot of money, which they do. But it also necessitates a police presence and widespread anti-social behaviour. That's the reality. You know, I'm I'm living here since the 60s, and I know, like the last 20 years, appalling. Mm. You see, we have a police force. and know, no, no disrespect, them like there's lovely community guards, but uh, you know, you have to be proactive, not reactive. What do you make? What do you make of the
1: dedicated neighbourhood support officer from UCC? Are you aware of that individual?
9: I I heard about it, but I I have no faith. That's absolutely no faith because, as I say, this is going on for years. You know, you you four problems. You have the students, many of whom have no respect. You have UCC, who's worried about its reputation. You have landlords, and by and large, most of them don't give us sugar. Yeah. And uh, you have the top press and the guardy, who I, I don't think that they're concerned enough about what's going on. How come you We're don't in include?
1: L- how come you don't include people who sell alcohol in there, including say off licenses and, and oh, such?
9: Look, I'll tell you no. I, I I agree with you there. We have an off-licence, I'd say about 150 yards from where I live. Cause the only off-licence I know that has a sign up in its window saying, drink responsibly, respect your neighbours. That's the biggest load of rubbish I've ever well, seen. What, what
1: else should they, they be doing? Like, they, they sell I, alcohol. I mean,
9: they're, they're in a business to sell drink. They don't have a sugar what goes on in the area, but I don't see any other art license with that sign. You know? Um, uh, well, I suppose it's, a, no I suppose it's, a, it's
1: a reminder to students.
9: But, sir, sure, no, no one reads that. No one reads that. People go out for a drink, not necessarily to cause trouble. But do you think they read that? They do. Sir, sure, we have a load of um, election-type posters now up around the area from the Students' Union about the charities that will benefit, and, you know, mind your measures and all this, that's only a joke. You think people aren't going to go out and go berserk this week? There's no way they're not, you know? Mm. And, you know, there are no things need to change badly up here. When did it, it When re- did
1: it start to... I mean, you say you've lived there since the 60s. When did it start yeah. to get bad?
9: What you, call, what
1: you call this drinking orgy.
9: Uh, I'd say about uh, 2000. You see the structure of the place has changed too. We're totally outnumbered. And um, I mean, as I said to you, like, there's a lot of elderly people living up here, and I mean elderly they can fight back.
1: Because you said in your letter, unfortunately, the locals do not matter as their rights are not being brought into consideration. A sad reflection of our society that mostly elderly population and yeah. a small number of parents with kids are being treated yeah. like second class citizens to yeah. facilitate a drinking orgy.
9: Orgy, exactly. And that's what it is. And you can add drugs into the mix. You know, mm. uh, I, I, I see a woman, a young woman with small kids in tears up my way there last summer. Why? Because of what's going on. You know? Why was she moved to tears, though? Oh, because of uh, sleepless nights, being abused, being abused at the gate by some clown, you know? There's another couple up there, like, I don't know, I I can say very little, eh? But people came to her gate about two o'clock in the morning, came in the gate, and said, we'll get you, Mm. you know?
1: And and would you think that they would be associated with UCC, the people
9: who made that threat? Oh, yes. Okay, okay. Because 99% up around here, outside of the locals, or outside of local residents, or students, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The abuse directed at residents who question their behaviour um, yeah. results in screaming abuse, roaring, littering, and urinating.
9: Yeah, yeah. Sure, I, it, I've often heard people passing up my way. Let's roar now as we pass, you know, on on, on my street. Like, sure, that's that's not proper behaviour, right? That's
1: antagonistic. How do you feel then that the only thing you hear about is a story in the papers this morning saying, you know, it's rag week, be careful, your drink doesn't get spiked. Does that exasperate you?
9: look, look, Neil. In the sense that
1: the residents are forgotten about.
9: Oh, yeah. But uh, I'll take you back to, we'll say, last October, Clarebourne covered this on a radio program for about a half an hour. Yeah, and you know, the following day which was priceless in local media. Students were suddenly starving. I'm sure you remember that.
1: I do. I do remember yes. penny dinner I mean dinner setting comical. up food. Well, why is it comical? Yes. They they were setting up food banks <laughs> at UCC to feed students.
9: Ah, uh, Neil, Neil. I see liberal drivers flying up and down and around the place on a regular basis. And tis, tis, tis other people have said that to me. You know, there's, there was I actually spoke with a neighbour and he said he was in the college one morning and he saw a fella that lives in our locality queuing and the same fella has a big, huge car outside his door where he's renting. Dinner. his own car outside his door, but yet oh, yeah. queuing for yeah. food at, yeah so like I mean I wouldn't wish anyone's drink being spiked or anything like but you see the the
1: real story's been forgotten about just saying, okay oh
9: you, yes, definitely need yeah. definitely yeah uh i mean i am delighted to talk to you because you're one of the few presenters that I can actually have a conversation with well I, i'd lo- I'd
1: love to have more people engaged in the conversation, but yeah, the students union at u c c no longer speak to me anymore because they say they don't get a fair crack of the whip so they've decided <laughs> right, no, right, like, you know I'm, right. I'm kind of caught in the middle trying to be trying to balance I it know. from both sides but they've folded, they've folded up the tent now so I'll I'll not get yeah, to talk to yeah. them you know but I, well, I, I mean, mean and that's fine I mean that's that's yeah, what they want to yeah. do I'm, I'm happy to talk to residents though
9: yeah yeah you know. I mean everyone is entitled to enjoy the peace and tranquility of their family homes whether you're living near a college or no matter where you're living Because, do you think that would happen near near the home of John O'Halloran, president of UCC, or Chief Superintendent Myers? I don't think so. Well, but they don't live in College Road or Connaughton or Magazine Road. Just but but what I'm saying is that kind of behaviour wouldn't be tolerated near their home.
1: What do you want the Gardaí to do?
9: I want. I I, I want. proper law enforcement. I want fines and I want arrests. I asked for the, the number of fines and arrests there last year when things were in and out of control, but I got no I got no reply back. Mm. If mm. I was a member of a committee, I probably would like. They don't want you to know? arrest
1: students because it would impact on their entire life.
9: <laughs> but it would be all right to arrest an ordinary citizen but not a student, because they attend the university. You know, they were on about visas a couple of years ago. That's right, yeah. That have they, it's all poppycock, eh? Well, do
1: you mind if I I stay in touch with you and other residents as well for the next few days? Oh, yeah. A pleasure to talk to you, Neil. Okay, Tom. All right. Well, Thank thanks you. for reaching out. Appreciate it. Get involved in that conversation, particularly if you're up around the area. Uh, welcome to chat with you. Text 086-8104-106. Pick up the phone 0818-104-106. Thank you, Tom. Back after the break.
0: Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Okay. Red FM. I hope this phone line holds up and we'll have a chat with Vika, who's
1: actually root Ukrainian, but has a business here in Cork in Ballincollig. Uh, Vika, good morning.
10: Good morning, Neil.
1: Oh, my God. You're under a lot of pressure where you are now. So you are a Ukrainian living in Cork with a business in Ballincollig, but at the moment you're in Ukraine. Have you just left yes. Kiev, I believe, or you left it the back end of
10: last week, was it? I left it on Thursday. That's when they started bombing and my friend woke me up around 6 a.m. and she said we need to run away because they shoot in airport and she lives like... 20 minutes drive from the airport and we could hear all these explosions and all this mess what's going on so we just parked quickly and started uh, driving to the border with Poland and it's already fifth day we're in the car today fifth day started
1: so you're five days trying to travel how far
10: 700 kilometers. (sighs) Yeah, and we're sleeping in the car, eating in the car, so basically living in the car for these five days. And how many of you? Uh, there's
1: you, there's you, and your friend, and a ch- and a child. Her I think? son. Her yeah, son. Yeah.
10: Yeah. Oh. So two women and eleven years old boy. Yeah.
1: Okay, and it's been a very very slow drive. Is that because is that because there are traffic jams everywhere?
10: so first of all because there's thousands of cars on the road and second is that they asked to avoid major roads so we had to take some uh, small rural roads you know because they were shooting major roads it was very dangerous to drive there and we had to take all the smaller and it takes a bit longer and longer distance and now since uh, Saturday, we're already in the queue to the border. So today is the third day we just standing. Yesterday, we did only five kilometers. The whole day, like 24 hours, we did only five kilometers because most of the time we're standing, you know. And uh, In traffic very, jams very, to the
1: Polish border. Yeah,
10: yeah, yeah. And uh, in every car, there is a small kid. Uh, in front of us, there is a family. They have two months old son. And two years old son. So these babies, they just sitting and waiting for their turn to cross the border, same as the rest of the people.
1: And how are you doing for fuel and for food?
10: We put fuel in Lvov, we put full trunk, and then we bought this six liters water and uh, emptied them and put their petrol, so we have fuel still left in our trunk. Uh, Food, people given, local people who live in there, like now for the last few days, we're in a village, so it houses both sides, and we just asking to use their toilets uh, to eat something to have some tea yesterday we were able to find place to sleep but they said that if you will take the car from the queue then you have to go back to the beginning of the queue and uh, do everything and i say why can we just catch up and just stand uh, like you know and she said no no nobody will let you Someone have to sit in the car still and driving. So we said, no, then we will be, we'll be sitting because it's not fair, you know. Someone will be resting and the other one will be driving. So we're just taking turns. She's sleeping, I'm driving. Not driving, you know, just sitting and waiting until you can make a few meters. Moving a little bit. That's how it is.
1: Are you sl- and you, cl- you clearly have not left that car since Thursday?
10: No. We're and just, the car we're in front of you with the... the car.
1: Yeah, but you, you know, can walk. Yeah, you can stretch around. your legs. Yeah, but the woman in yeah. front of you with the two month old and the two year old—what does she yeah. do for food for the baby and her two? She's got two babies, for instance.
10: She's sitting. She—I saw her only once or twice, and it's her husband. He's running around and taking all these foods, bringing, changing nappies for this baby, and they have dogs as well. Yeah, they have some small poodle.
1: So it's local people as you pass through villages and towns who are feeding the convoy of people trying to leave.
10: Yeah, Yeah. they're just cooking on the streets. Yesterday we had some fried potatoes, some sandwiches. The people, just very, very kind people. I say they're like angels, you know. They're making tea, coffee, and they're not taking any money. I was trying to pay for it, and they said, no, 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 just pray for for peace. And they said, "Don't, don't pay, just pray and eat. And they said,
1: and it in that journey that you started from Kiev on Thursday, did you come across any military conflict?
10: Yeah, we saw. We saw in, uh, I think it was a city called Uman, uh, we saw explosion. And as we read after that, because, you know, on the road, the checkpoints, they're not explaining what was that. Of course, they're not allowed to say. And we were Googling everything. And they ha- they explode. You know, I don't know how to say this in English, but where all the military storing weapons and uh, and guns, you know, this place like base with all these things. They have attacked so military all,
1: bases. They've targeted yeah, the military bases. that's base. what
10: they're attacking. First of all, they attacking airports. They're attacking military bases. They want to destroy all the all the guns and weapons that the Ukrainian army has. They just want to uh, people not to have any weapons. Uh, any so you've weapons seen the
1: explosions, you've seen the fire, yeah. the smoke, you've heard the bombs? Yeah,
10: yeah. yeah, we saw in Uman, we saw and then we saw rockets flying just above us. I didn't understand what was that. I did video, but it was only smoke left, but the rocket itself, it just flew like one second. Before, just above our car, I I never saw anything like this, and that was horrible. You know, it's like in movies or video games.
1: The more I think about this, the, the cars, the thousands of cars, your car yeah. amongst them. There can't be many men in those cars because they're not allowed leave Ukraine, is it? Primarily women and children, then.
10: Yeah, it's mostly women and children. But, the, actually, there are good few men here, but they're saying that they will just drive uh, women and children to the border, to and then goodbye. they going back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've seen that.
10: Because I've seen you know, photographs. It's, it's impossible. Of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. <sighs> are you very afraid?
10: You know, uh, first few days we were very afraid. Now we're already tired and I think our brain is already, like, paused, you know? So it's kind of uh, some fly mode. I don't understand what's going on anymore.
1: How do you feel for your country?
10: I feel very sorry. And the Russians, they saying that they came to free our country, that they want to save, that we're kind of slaves, that we're we in prisons, but it's not true. Ukraine is free country nobody needs any help we're okay and the president he is really surprising everyone people were already thinking that he will run away but he is fighting, he is not sleeping all these days. He he has guns, he has weapons, he is fighting on the streets and doing everything like like every single Ukrainian man. I have friends who left their businesses as well. They took guns and they go in and protecting country. You know, they act in like real militaries, but they're not trained. Not they, trained. Just, they just... Uh, <laughs> I'm on the phone, I'm on the phone. Sorry, I'm sorry, some what is he- man he came and asking something I what know. does he want he just opened the door I don't know he just opened the door and it was actually not not nice we got scared to be honest what did we he say look.
1: to you that? he wasn't. he's not an official is he you not
10: know? yeah. no no he's just in front of us a uh, few cars in front he's just going and asking other people maybe he needs some food or that's water that's it he could be looking for food
1: or water or fuel but yeah. are you aware of Pavlo Sadiouk uh, no, I don't know who is that. He's a 23-year-old plumber. He's a Ukrainian plumber who has been living and working here. And he and um, many, many men, young men like him, have given up their jobs here in Cork. They went to Dublin Airport and flew back to take up arms in Ukraine. 23-year-old Pavlo Serdiuk from Cork. Oh, my
10: God. No, I never heard about him here. They're not speaking about
1: him. No. Isn't he incredibly brave?
10: It is, yeah. I would say it is, yeah.
1: When you especially
10: get... that he was in safe place in Ireland and he he gave up and he came here. It's respect him really,
1: respect. He said, "It's my duty." He said to my country, "It's a war now, so I have to go. I have to do what I can."
10: Yeah, yeah. That's that's very that's very brave. I would say.
1: And when you get to the Polish border, they will allow you to cross the border.
10: I hope so because you see I have residence uh, residency of Ireland, so it's European Union first of all. Yeah, if they will not let me, like Ukrainian, which I don't think so. I think they let everyone. They no, they will. And what
1: will you do then?
10: Uh, first of all, we want to sleep somewhere because this uh, these days we're very very exhausted. So we want to find the first B and B and just take room, take shower. And just sleep for for a few hours at least, and then uh, continue driving. I will um, fly probably from Warsaw back to Cork or Dublin. And my friend, she will be asking her son for refugee status because um, she will not come back to Kyiv. It's very dangerous there. They bombing every day. They killing civil civilians. And uh, our friends sending us pictures and videos that they filming from the windows. What's going on there? It's very scary, to be honest. People have been told
1: to stay underground, if at all possible, and to use basements.
10: Yeah, my brother is like this in my home city as well. It's very bad. It's uh, they bomb in tanks on the streets. And my uh, other family, they live in a city called Berdyansk. It's by the sea. And Russians took this city as well. Uh, so it's already Russian. I I I, I don't know. How, I don't know by... Uh, by this loss of war, how it is? But as I know that, yeah, our soldiers they couldn't uh, win this fight, and Russians won there in in this town by the sea.
1: And do you think that the rest of the world? I mean, this is a war in Europe. It's in Europe this war.
10: Yeah. Do you think enough yeah. is
1: being done to help?
10: I don't know. You see, they help and they send in a lot of. Uh, like clothes I know that they're sending food, blood they're sending uh, weapons as well, but as I know like to send soldiers they cannot, I think that only Ukrainian men they have to fight nobody will help
1: it's the civilians, ok, there are Yeah, yeah. You, there is a yeah. Ukrainian army I understand that, but not anywhere enough, so it's civilians have to pick up yeah. the weapons and fight
10: yeah, they saying that for if you 16 to 60 years old, you must take guns and go and protect your country.
1: And that's why any man that's under 60, that is going to the border now like you are, will say goodbye to his partner and his children yeah. and turn back to fight.
10: Yeah, yeah, they will not let him out.
1: He yeah. probably wouldn't want to go either. He wants to defend his country.
10: Oh. I, I would say that most of men, yeah, they would go and defend, but there are a lot of men who are very scared as well. They, oh, yeah. well, I, I mean, absolutely, they're people. scared.
1: Without a doubt, they would yeah. be scared. Pa- Pablo because Sergio is scared.
10: Yeah. Yeah, as I said, you know, they're not born militaries. They never deal with guns and how, and it's very stressful. And I think you need to be very, very brave to to come down and to say, okay, I'm taking that and I'm going and I'm fighting. And they already—I don't know—is it true or not? But they already speaking that when men will be not enough, so they will start taking women. You know.
1: And do you expect, to, you're five kilometers from the border now, you've traveled many hundreds, do you expect to cross that border today?
10: We hope so until night. If not, so tomorrow at least until uh, afternoon we should make it. I would say 24 hours should be enough by what I can see how the car is moving. So should be enough until okay. tomorrow afternoon, so that's for sure.
1: Okay, okay. If it's okay with you, I would like to maybe contact you again tomorrow, see how things are going for you, Vika. Yeah,
10: no problem. Hopefully, I will be already in some b and okay, okay, and calm down a little bit.
1: Okay, hopefully, that will be the case. Fingers crossed. Thanks for taking the
0: call for now. Thank you so much.
10: You're very welcome, Neil. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 818 Incredible stories. Absolutely incredible. Jess, good morning.
11: Good morning. Hi, Mia.
1: Thanks for your text and for coming on air. Just want to pick up on this conversation. It started with Billy Callaher saying that the Russian ambassador has to go. What are your thoughts on all of this?
11: I just was listening this morning, obviously, an avid listener, and I just, you know, I, I had to give my two cents in because I just seen a lot of kind of. I was listening to some of your listeners talking on this topic, and I have seen on social media myself, on Instagram, and stuff, a lot of people, you know, chiming in, obviously. What are they and saying? It's very you know, just saying, you know, that we should kind of look o- look after our own matters, uh, you know, and I heard that tone through some of your listeners as well. Like, we have stuff going on in our own country. So, you know, nearly like we should, you know, have a blind eye to every other country because we need to look after what's at home. And mm. while I understand we do need to look after, you know, our own manners, matters, if we all had this attitude of, look, let's not help each other out and just look after what's at home, you know, we wouldn't get anywhere. And I just think, obviously people have their own opinions on russia and ukraine and you know when it was the soviet union before and all that but like there's innocent people here being killed over you know at the end of the day putin who is a dictator you know um and it's kind of this attitude of uh but sure we shouldn't chime in because we're ireland and we're a small country and we're neutral and everything you know it's it's if it was us and it was happening to us, we'd be out crying for other countries to come in and help us as well. Mm. You know, and I think the attitude of, you know, you don't actually know what's going on. Like you said, there's countless men, women and children being killed. And as you were speaking about that poor uh, martial law, that gentleman, 23-year-old plumber being sent back, you know. and Well, not uh, no,
1: sent back. He went back voluntarily. He just said, I yeah, have to be course. part of this.
11: But the feeling that they have to... I was in the hairdressers last week and um, one of the hairdressers is Polish and he was even saying that there was talks in Poland as well that they would be calling all Polish people who had left Poland men to come back as well. That they ah, would,
1: um, so they potentially think that there's more to come after Ukraine then?
11: Of, of course, yeah, yeah. Well, this is what he said to me and that was kind of, you know, what he was hearing from, um, you know, his friends and family over in Poland and stuff. And obviously... You know, obviously this is it goes back to 2014, but it, it. I feel like it streams way back to, you know, the Cold War, World War Two, and everything and how the Russians treated Poland. And, you know, Russia obviously wants its countries around to cling to it as buffers, you know, for them and everything. And look at how they treated... I don't want to be going into loads of history, but, you know, Poland years ago and stuff. And I think, yeah, there's a lot more to it than just, oh, right now and let's look after our own matters and, and, and what could happen because... You know that lady who was also speaking about NATO. You have to go back to why that was formed. You know that was formed to counter the Soviet aggression. You know, and Ukraine are obviously pushing forward towards Europe and stuff, and you know that's not liked, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah. And everybody's got very touchy feely <laughs> about where, Yeah, like for instance, you, you yeah. know, it's it's fairly evident now at this stage that you really can't trust what the Russians say on the basis that they said. Um, all those who were making spokes sp- spokespersons people on behalf of Russia that they wouldn't invade Ukraine, but they did, and that it was th- that there were there were just interested in particularly small parts of Ukraine uh, to you know gain their independence. That isn't true either. If that was the case, they wouldn't have been continuing to go right across Ukraine and into Kiev. So, what do you, t- exactly, you can't believe what they exactly.
11: say yeah and like obviously there's stuff in ukraine that they want and like my dad he lived in russia for seven eight years he said it was a wonderful country he had a wonderful time there you know and it's not speaking bad about them but like you have to climb up the ladder to the people who are you know controlling the country and who are running it and
1: oh don't you uh, i imagine that the vast majority of russians are as appalled as everybody else wouldn't you yeah
11: exactly exactly of course and do you know i i heard your listeners obviously that lady this morning saying like, "Oh, we're not there, and we don't know and i I totally agree like we're in we're living in a a time now where you can't believe everything that you see on social media, you know there's so much now that is pushed for a certain agenda or whatever, but you know you can still have sympathy and be you know empathetic for innocent lives that have you know nothing to do with this that are just you know born and bred in this country and who are suffering because of power struggles or, you know, historic... Yeah, but then again, that, why then
1: do we not care about what happened, say, in, for instance, Afghanistan?
11: Uh, yeah, we, we don't, I definitely, like, <laughs> Look, I was going... I'm kind of in my head, was I going to talk about... Why is you know, this
1: different? Is because
0: it's, it's...
11: Palestine and Israel. You yeah, know, the Palestinians. No, so, I'm why? sorry, there was no uproar to so the same amount, and I was reading stuff on Instagram last night, lots of people with the same views of... You know, it's and it's amazing to see so much response and emotive... Um, Reaction to what's happening to Ukraine. But what about, you know, Yemen, Somalia, like you said, Israel going in, you know, destroying the Gaza Strip, all this, you know. I I don't understand why we have sympathy and outcries for, you know, why weren't sanctions put on it? But then, you know, that streams back again to who's funding, you know, who has in the different, you know, I want to be careful what I say, but what leaders have certain input in certain countries compared to others, you know, who has their their fingers in certain places, if that makes sense. Well,
1: right. I mean, you, 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 know. you know, there would be... The, I don't you know. know. American <laughs> government would be, would be quite pro-Israel, you see, so that exactly. maybe dictates, yeah, and, that dictates you know, the conversation.
11: You America know, whereas, and Russia have had certain relations as well, you know. Remember when Trump was, you know, leading, I know, I don't want to be careful what I say about Trump, but when he was president in America and his own Input with Putin and everything. Well, Trump
1: supporters are now saying that this would never have happened on Trump's watch.
11: Mm, Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose. (laughs) I don't know. This, okay. Okay. yeah, I don't well, know. Stay on day. that. but yeah, that's exactly.
1: Okay, listen. Thanks for taking the call. Appreciate your comments and your perspective on things. And uh, if anybody else wants to get involved in it, uh, pick up the phone. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. You can text 868104106 eight one zero four one zero six. I'll come back to that. But just this side uh, of eleven o'clock, I want to revisit my conversation uh, with uh, Rivney, who was on air. Uh, with me last week and um, you know, lost her, her husband at a very young age. Do you remember there was a... Uh, was it a GoFundMe or was it an I-donate that was set up at the time? I think it might have been an I-donate that was set up at the time to try and raise some much-needed financial support for herself and the family because there's an issue with the mortgage, there's an issue with the bank um, and um, there is uh, a, an awful lot of problems there as to trying to hold on to her house. Her husband died at the age of 41, very young, from a stroke... Big bear of a man. He was always the positive one. And Rivney had her own issues with regards to her own health. And then on the day that he was to start his new job, um, and of course, this was the chink of light that they needed for their lives to improve, money to be coming in. It was a good job. It was a good paying job. He suffered a massive stroke and died. That was the backstory. Rivney joins me by phone again this morning. Morning.
12: Good morning.
1: How Have you been over the last few days since last we spoke? I mean, a lot of um, kindness and a lot of generosity to you and the family.
12: Yeah, and do you know what? It's, it's it's made a huge difference in reducing extra stresses. Of <coughs> excuse me, I have um, heating now, which I haven't had in years. The um, septic tank is fixed for again the first seven years. How did you that get that? So how did
1: how did you get those things resolved so quickly?
12: Uh, The local community, basically, have all been in and arranging these things. I'll be honest, I'm not even sure who or what is arranging which section because it's all just a bit of a blur because I'm still kind of going through the the everyday stuff, but it's it's made a huge difference because, like, I didn't know what he was doing. He was going out every month doing something to the septic tank to keep it going, but I had no idea how to do it, and I was really stressed about that, so...
1: Now, the I Donate donate is just under 20,000, and we got a call from a chap last week who wanted to give you 10,000 euro, one individual. There's some incredible generosity, isn't there?
12: I'm totally overwhelmed. I'm absolutely overwhelmed. Um, You know, it, it does make a huge difference. It really does. You know, because I even like I found out now that there was one of the loans in his name. It's not going to die with them. I'm going to have to sort that. So that's hopefully there'll be enough in the fund now to cover some of those debts. You know, even if I can't.
1: What were you unaware of that loan?
12: (coughs) No, no, I knew. He took it out to um, sort transport for the new job, so that the car would be there if I needed it. So uh, he took that out to cover insurance and tax. And I know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> knowing that, knowing that the new job was a good job with good prospects and good yeah. wages.
12: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that loan does oh, not die. Goes. That loan does not die with Thomas. No.
12: No, I'm afraid not. I, I thought it might, but no. But um, I mean, there was an offer of um, our first ever holiday. As well, which the kids are hyper oh, yeah. over. Okay, so we hyper. so
1: people started to get in touch with <coughs> me saying you should. And, and bear in mind now that you're you you have you have COPD amongst a lot of other conditions, don't you? I do.
12: Sorry about the coughing. Yeah, you don't
1: have to apologise for anything. I'm just letting people know the reason why you're coughing. Don't don't be at all self conscious of that. So last week people were saying that you know Neil, you're giving away these uh, three night holiday breaks for families to Treboghen. You should send R- Rivney and her kids. Um, So we got in touch with Traboggan and they were mad keen to have you come down, you and the three children.
12: They were absolutely hyper because he had actually been talking about maybe that know that he was working, they might be able to take a couple of days there specifically during the summer. Um, We told the kids about it loads of times and the wave machine, the go-karts and everything and we just never even had the money for a day pass to be honest but we'd always promised we'd take them there so they're beyond excited well I'm that's right.
1: one of the reasons I just wanted to catch up with you this morning because yeah. Toboggan want to give you and the family a four night half board break which would be four nights in your own self catering but you won't be doing much self catering because they want to look after breakfast and dinner for you all as well with all of absolutely the Toboggan facilities available to you free of charge that's
12: absolutely unreal it really is just I'm totally overwhelmed
1: and if you have any you know, issues I'm getting from where do you live
12: again I'm in Kildare. Right. I'm about by Mitchellstown. If
1: you have any issues at all, your transport's going to be look at, looked after by a fellow called Martin Delaney from Glenmire. Wow. He wow. has uh, his own minibus and he wants to pick you all up in Kildare, bring you to Traboggan, and then at the end of your trip there, he'll come back and pick you up in Trabogan and bring you back in the minibus to Kildare again.
12: That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. I'm just, just trying to start driving at the moment because I wasn't driving for over a year. Don't
1: and, mind the uh, driving. Yeah, get get show-
12: taken off me. Is, is, yeah, is just make, get chauffeur you know?
1: get chauffeur driven for this one. Yeah. You know, travel in style. So yeah. all you need to do really is just pack a few things.
12: That's absolutely incredible. I mean, they've never had a holiday before, so they really are. Have so you told excited. them? I have. Yeah, I told them straight away, and um, they're they're hyper over it. <laughs>
1: They miss their dads. And, you know, know.
12: for them to have something to look forward to as well. You know, I mean, just the other night now, I had the uh, eight year old come down at about 11 o'clock at night, just cry onto my lap and cry for half an hour, you know. So for them to have something to look forward to as well is is, is big, you know. People don't realize how big, but. uh, Are you getting any state state assistance?
1: uh, Are you getting any state assistance?
12: I have um, a type of welfare, but it was only ever supposed to be temporary. It's it's one of the lower payments. So I'm trying to get that sorted at the moment. Because
1: <coughs> I heard I that, that, that some kind them. of payment was stopped, was it?
12: Yeah, I was, Tom wasn't getting welfare of his own while he wasn't working. I was getting allowed a 100 and something for him. So that portion obviously got stopped because he's not here, which yeah. is understandable, but yeah. it was still a bit of a shock to the system on Friday when I kind of saw what I'm down to because it was tight to begin with, you know. So um, my farm has gone off and I'm hoping that that'll get sorted soon because, um, yeah, I'm not going to be able to manage on what's coming okay. in. Okay.
1: And there's no there's no, no news on the mortgage or the back payments or the debt or anything, no?
12: No, I haven't uh, spoken to them okay. yet, no. A lot of these things I'm going to have to wait until I get the death certificate, which I have to wait until the tenth of March to get because they're booked okay, up. Okay. Okay.
1: And do you um, need for so anything
12: now? Um, you no, know, we're we're managing. Um, but like this week now, I'm managing because this is my first week now with the lower benefit, and uh, I'm managing because I'm getting child benefit tomorrow, so I'm alright this week. You okay. know, I'm just ongoing. I'm not sure how we're going to work out. Um. And as I say, it's even just a little day-to-day things that I'm... I've enough trouble with, you know, without trying to worry about everything else. I know, I know, I know, One
1: day at a time. Yeah, one day at a time. It
12: is, really, yeah. What I mean, did- I had to take them for their vaccines on uh, Saturday, and I had to drive up, and I haven't driven into town in years. So my nerves were frazzled. And um, then we got into the place, and i completely forgotten. The last time we were there, he was with us, and... Um, he said to me walking out that I was a great mum, and I was like, why? He said, oh, just the way he kept them all so calm and cool and happy out getting their vaccine. I was like, alright. Oh, he said, no, he said, you really don't know how amazing you are. And I didn't take much notice of it at the time, but when I walked back in there on Saturday, I, I found it very hard walking yeah, around town without him after that. I know, sure I know, I know. No. You know, so having these other problems removed one by one, like the Heating and the septic tank, and we've got wheelie bins for the first seven years um, These are all things that are making my day to day that little bit easier oh
1: know? listen you you know you're you're always going to yeah. be re- you're always going to be reminded of them without a doubt, you know,
12: yeah, but I mean trying to function you know I'm used to functioning without stuff with everything being broken in the house because there was somebody there doing it with me. But doing it on my own, with things being broken and trying to find ways around things when I'm on my own, it's just so hard. So having these things working is it's,
1: it's huge. The local community have been incredible and will continue to be incredible.
12: They have been unreal, absolutely unreal. I mean, above and beyond. As I say, there's been things organised there, and I don't even know what's going on. Do you know, I just get a call saying there's somebody calling at such a time. And I haven't arranged anything, which I'm not capable of arranging. I know. Much. The I, know I know. I'm feeding the kids and washing them. I'm trying to keep routine with them, but that's about as much as I'm managing, you know.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Well, listen, uh, as you say, one day at a time. At least they've something to look forward to, you know.
12: Yeah. Well, I do want to thank absolutely everybody, yeah. absolutely everybody, because you really have. I mean, the weight of grief is enough, but to have the weight of Huge debts and nothing working and all that on top of your shoulders at the same time is is um, it's crushing. It's it is, and, crushing.
1: and nobody nobody will want you to be carrying that burden on your own. You know,
12: no. So I mean, the amount of help you know and the kindness of people, you, you've no idea how much weight you've lifted, and you know how, how how freeing it is to be able to just sit back and not worry about certain things um, and just have a good cry or just the situation, not over
1: bills or, you know, trying know. to the house warm. Or, you know. Okay, all right. Well, look, um, do feel free to stay in touch. I just wanted to update with you, just see how you, the last few days were and just tell a little bit about Trebulgan. And also, I'll give out the details for I donate. if people didn't hear my first conversation with you, if they want to get involved themselves. Uh, and maybe we can drive that on a little bit more just to alleviate some more of the worries and stress of debt. All
9: right.
12: Well, like uh, the, the kindness already has been absolutely phenomenal. I really, really, genuinely on a heartfelt thank everybody. You know, it's, okay. it's, it's okay. completely
1: overwhelming. Okay, and uh, it's, the thank goodness, you. It's, good, it's the goodness of people in times of need. Okay, cheers Rivney, we'll stay thank in touch. You so much. Right? Okay, take care. Thank you. So if you want to get involved in the I Donate fundraiser, you'll find it on I Donate. You're going to be looking for Kildare Parent Association fundraiser. Kildare Parent Association fundraiser. I'm Rory
8: and I'm Valerie, and you can join us for the very best in local, national, and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench.
9: That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from six on Corks Red FM.
0: New year, new number for Neil. Oh eight one eight
1: one zero four one zero six. Comparing other conflicts to Ukraine, not everybody agrees with that. Somebody says that it borders on an anti-Semitism to be bringing Israel and Palestine into it. That was never, ever my intention in any way, shape, or form. I was saying, I was asking the question: Why do we not get so uh, upset or so angry about what happened in Afghanistan? And then one of the callers was suggesting something similar with regards to. Palestine, all I was saying in that regard was that U.S. policy would be closely aligned with Israel, and the, sometimes that can dictate the narrative regarding uh, conflicts. Uh, the point being made was we get very, very upset now about Ukraine, but in other conflicts we don't. Um, I wasn't in any way intending to uh, be in any way unfair to any. Nation. I wish to God that people just weren't fighting and that we could all get along. That's the reality of it all. Unfortunately, we live in very, very troubling times. Um, listen, today is also the day when uh, masks are gone uh, in many, many settings. And I mentioned that earlier on. Certainly, I think it will be welcome with regards to kids in schools and what have you. Face masks no longer to be worn in schools by pupils or staff. The pods are gone. The physical distancing is gone. But I'm just wondering about the workplace. Um, because you know, my understanding of it is if you go into a, ho- a hospital, you go into a nursing home yes for sure you need to mask up but you don't actually by law in any way shape or regulated law have to wear a mask now on a train or a bus or in a shop or indeed I would have thought at work as well uh, but interestingly just wanted to bring something to your attention and see what other people's opinions are in this matter I work in a hotel in Cork which I won't mention the name of obviously uh, well I, I wouldn't mind knowing the name of the hotel because I have a friend actually was staying overnight in, in a Cork hotel and all the staff in the hotel last night and again this morning are all wearing masks. So maybe some companies have their own policy with regards to their staff. So I work in a hotel and they've advised us that the staff must continue to wear face masks after the restrictions are lifted today. They've told us that this will be reviewed again in March. I personally do not agree with this as Neffet have advised us that we are now in a position where it's safe not to wear them and that it is now a matter of choice for people to make. Can I? Can a company legally enforce this upon us? In my eyes, it would be the same as a company telling you that you have to wear makeup in work. They cannot do this, as it's a choice for people to make now. I have a contract, and nowhere in this contract does it state that I must wear a face mask. They've told us the reason for doing this is to reduce the spread of COVID. But if this is the case, and they feel so strongly about it, then why not make the guests wear them? as a policy of the hotel as well. One part of me feels I should just get on with it and hope it will only last a few more weeks, but another part of me feels forced to do something in which I do not want to do. It's a matter of principle for me, I suppose. And lastly, I'd be interested to know if there are other companies out there also enforcing their staff to wear masks after the restrictions are lifted. Please don't give up my details. Well, I would like to know that, just like you, Uh, are there other companies who are asking and telling... Well, not asking, but, you know, that it's rule of the company to continue to wear masks from today. Another one. My employer wants staff to continue wearing masks next week. We are catering in a university. Some staff want this, but many, like myself, are just angry. What is our legal standing if we refuse? Um, Real answers would be good. Uh, I know we can say F you, but would would like to be armed legally. Um, Some were responding to that actually online, saying that you should ask your company for an individual risk assessment and ask to see the risk assessment in the workplace. I'm just wondering, are there many who also are being told, yeah, okay, we know what's happening from today Monday, but in this place where you work, you must continue to wear a mask. So please get involved in that. Let me know. Text 0868 104 uh, 106. And we'll come back to that throughout the course of the morning. But back to the phone lines we go following my chat with Tess O'Mahony on Friday. Uh, and we got to know an awful lot about the life and times of Theresa O'Mahony besides her time in the a and D. But people were horrified by her story. It is appalling treatment that she had to go through. Also, she has very little vision and no one was allowed to accompany her in. She's a retired nurse, nursing 50 years, some difference from when she was a nurse herself. So upsetting having to listen to her. She also had VHI and in her 80s. Miriam calls it a disgrace. My father was in the A&D last week at the age of 76, was left in a chair for 13 hours with a broken back. Mother of God. Crying with pain. He told them when he went in that he had broken his spine, and he was still left sitting there in a chair for 13 hours. Uh, I mean, it's actually hard to even believe. It really and truly is. Eileen, good morning.
8: Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm
1: good. I think you actually know Tess. Is that right?
8: I, I do. I do. I know Tess well. So, listening to her story, I was very how, upset. How can you have a
1: 76-year-old with a broken spine sitting in a chair for 13 hours crying in pain?
8: Um, I know, I mean, I think that firstly, I think when, you know, the last two years when nobody was allowed to accompany people when they were going into accident in and emergency like that, as was in Tess's case, I mean, 87-year-old with limited mobility and limited sight, um, you know, going in there, it's it's daunting enough and disorientating enough, but to be left sitting on a chair as she was for the best part of two days, which prompted her to to, to write a letter because she was so upset by the ordeal, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. and um, and test herself. She's lovely. She's a placid person. She's great fun, but she was so taken back and so upset by by how she was how she was treated, you know. And um, I had this vision of this lovely person I know left sitting on a chair. And this vision of her trying to manage a cup of tea in one hand and a sandwich in the other hand, which she couldn't unwrap because she couldn't. She had nowhere to put the cup, nowhere to put the sandwich and and nobody, nobody could see that she needed help. You know, um, all day,
1: all night, all, day, all, day, all, all night, and all the next yeah. day.
8: Yeah, and and I mean, they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable. The elderly people—they're vulnerable on their own. And um, you know, and as I say, she'd been in the nursing profession herself, and I think she was horrified by by how this could happen. You know, I mean, okay, you can use the line—they're rushed off their feet, they're short-staffed, but actually, you know, it wouldn't take a minute for some person, some nurse, some orderly, some assistant, to see that this person needed help, needed a kind word, needed a bit of compassion, and, and they, they just overlooked. You know. And I think that's the part that upset me most, that, that a lot of elderly people, particularly in the last two years, when they're on their own in the, in the environment, they, they kind of she overlooked.
1: Just, she just wanted to go home on a number she of cases. She just asked, I, yeah. I want to go home. You
8: know? I want to go home, you know, and and I mean, she didn't require uh, a surgeon or a consultant, and but at like, the very least, she deserved to be treated with some respect and some kindness. Yeah,
1: her next she'll be eighty-seven next birthday. You see, that's um, she will. You know, that's yeah,
8: she will, and I mean, she was she was there for all that that length of time, and as I say, she she couldn't manage to unwrap the sandwich. Surely, you know, somebody could spot something like that. I mean, you don't need a degree or a nursing degree to have basic human compassion and kindness to a fellow human being when they're in trouble. You know, Um, that doesn't require any qualification. I
1: know, but what if they're completely and utterly run off their feet and they literally are just, um, you know, they've got so many people to deal with at any one time that they can't function as we would want them to do?
8: Well, I suppose that's, that's true to an extent, but you know, nothing has changed much in that respect in, over, the, over the years. I'm sure my dad passed away like over 14 years ago, and, and I at that time saw cases like that in the hospital when he was where elderly people were left there, you know, we'll say even a drink was bought, but the person wasn't able to, to hold the glass, yeah. they required a beaker, yeah. you know, yeah. so, so somebody hadn't taken the time to spot that that person wasn't an, wasn't able to reach out and lift they were up struggling. the glass. Yeah. They were struggling, you know, but I, I think that the elderly people like that, now I know there are cases where, you know, people are well treated, and but I think, that the times where the elderly are treated badly within the A&E and the hospital system far outweigh those really because I mean there are caring nurses and they do their best but this and you know but this happened to Tex and and I mean I would be the same if it happened to anybody you know that that, that's not the way to treat an elderly person who was who's obviously you know nervous as well and anxious about what had happened to her you know Mm. and
1: She was also carrying three broken ribs, incidentally.
8: She was, so she couldn't bend down when she put down, to try and put the cup down, you know. And then, you know, this idea of the following morning when they said she could be discharged, where she was left waiting until 5 o'clock in the afternoon before they had the prescription ready. Now, that could have been sorted by a phone call to the local chemist. Yeah, okay. Really, you know. And, I mean, it throws them off their stride, and it does affect them afterwards. And, you know, um, so I just think it's, you know, they they need to be treated with a bit more... and compassion, I think, is what was lacking there.
1: Okay, really, thank you for that. that. Appreciate it. She's got good neighbours yeah,
8: And can I just say one thing? She's like... Balancholy's own celebrity now having spoken to you. Her phone was going all day on Friday and she'll be, when she's out walking, I'd say she'll be out all day with all the people will be chatting to her. She's yeah, do a you know? Celebrity. Do you know Siobhan? Do
1: you know Siobhan? <laughs> yes, I yeah. do.
8: Yeah. I got, a lovely, I, I got
1: a lovely private message from Siobhan on my Instagram Great. page over the weekend. She's a lovely girl, woman and she yeah. was telling me an awful lot of things which aren't for air actually of the kindness consideration yes. Oh, yes. Uh, of Tess. Yes. She told okay. me some beautiful, beautiful yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah.
8: She's, 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 she's 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 a lovely person, and my own husband, who's done a few jobs for her. He, he phoned her on Friday night and he just uh, pretended. He said, hello there. He said, "says can I speak to uh, Timmy the dog? And she said, Timmy the dog? And he said, yes, Timmy the dog. You know, like, I believe you have a dog. I look to She's like, who's this? Who's this? You know, she's Craig yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so Neil, thank oh, you mean... for being kind to her and thank for you. listening to her and for being compassionate to right, her. Alright, mind yourself. Thank Cheers. Me. All the best. Bye.
0: This Bye-bye. is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM, 104 to 106 Red FM. So that email says that
1: uh, Cork Hotel is saying that staff must continue to wear face masks even after the restrictions were lifted this morning. Some interesting texts on that. I work at Cork Airport. I still have to wear a mask. The company is legally covered for this as they have a duty of care to protect any at-risk members of staff. They just need to carry out risk assessments. Another one. I got an email last night from my kids' primary school saying kids have to keep wearing masks as COVID cases are still very high. I've no problem with it. I think it's being responsible. They'll review it in a few weeks' time, they said. Somebody else says, I went to Duns and Bishopstown this morning. Very reassured and happy to see practically all the shoppers masked. Is it really such a big deal for shoppers to mask up? Politicians is just thinking of themselves and their votes by removing mandatory masks. The old and the vulnerable I see don't count. It's as simple as that. I was just curious as to where it was from today. Legally, if you're in the workplace and your employer is saying you must continue uh, to wear a mask. Richard Grogan, who many mean people follow now on Instagram and TikTok, because he's constantly giving great legal advice for free. And he joins me by phone, Richard Grogan from Grogan and Associates. Richard, good morning.
13: Good morning to you. How thank, are you? Thank
1: you so much for coming on at short notice. Where, where are employer employees legally on all of this?
13: Oh, no, I tell you, I'm getting it in the neck when I can give my advice <laughs> on this at the moment. Cause, cause it, there's two groups on it. Look, the position in relation to it is that an employer is entitled under the Safety, Health and Welfare at Work Act to uh, do a risk assessment and say, look, yeah, I think it's a good idea that people would wear masks. And the reason that some of them are doing it is... That you have an employee who is immune compromised, yeah, yeah, and an employer is saying, "Look, I have to protect that member of staff." Now I know there'll be people who say, "Look, I don't want to wear a mask." If there is a health and safety risk, therefore, not only the employer but other employees must also mind their own health and the health of everybody else.
1: But if it's so immunocompromised colleagues, should they not be the ones with masks?
13: Well, yes, they should. Yes, they should be wearing masks. But if you've got somebody that's immune compromised, really, do you want some? Do they want somebody coming up to them who isn't wearing a mask? Yeah, yeah. You know, because and, some masks can be quite ineffective, is it? Yeah, that's that's right. But the, the issue in relation to this is we've still got six to ten thousand cases of COVID a day running at the present time. And businesses are rightly concerned at the present time that if we say a restaurant, if if the COVID comes into a restaurant, and a lot of the staff go down with COVID, that restaurant is closed. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, Now, and I think there's a a certain amount of people who will say, yes, they are going to object to wearing a mask. A lot of the, the advice, for example, at the moment, we've got mixed messages, for example, where we told you don't have to wear a mask on public transport. But what I'm hearing this morning coming back is there was a, Vox Pop done in Dublin uh, where most people were actually wearing their masks yeah, yeah, on yeah. Uh, on public transport. So I think it is a question of having a certain amount of common sense and at the same time uh, taking account of there may be people in your workplace who are very concerned. And but this,
1: but the chap from the hotel says, this for me is a matter of principle. One part of me feels I should just get on with it and hope it only lasts a few weeks. But another part of me feels of being forced to do
13: something I do not want to do. Well, when it comes to health and safety assessments, you know, if you take somebody who's on a building site, they have to wear a hard hat and a reflective jacket and, and boots. You know, yeah. they have to do that. So,
1: so this employer, this employee might have Nefit on his, his or her side, might have the government on his and her side, but it doesn't mean the employers have to be on his or her side as well.
13: No, because the employer in that situation is taking a risk assessment as to what the risk is. And remember, you know, if you take a hotel, for example, there's people coming into a hotel. They may be an awful lot more confident if they think that the people who are there are properly masked up. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it very much depends on the relevant business. So, you know, there would be, there would be offices, whether they're solicitors or accountants, who will be saying, if you're coming in here, you wear a mask. You know, that's what they're going to do. Hospitality
1: to be, primarily, maybe, maybe supermarkets and shopping malls.
13: Yeah, well, I mean, even then, there are ones where they say you don't have to wear a mask, but there will be shops who may turn around again and say, look, we've got immune-compromised individuals working here, and there's nothing to stop a shop saying, if you're coming into my shop, you wear a mask. That's my, that's, you know. And will 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 that go for shoppers as well? Oh, yes. I mean, look, I mean, a shop can turn around and turn around and say nobody with brown shoes is allowed in here. <laughs> you know, I know that, that sounds crazy, but they're entitled to set out their rules for going into their place. Yes, yeah, they have to take account if somebody has an exemption from wearing a mask and they can't wear a mask. Yeah, they So have what's to take the point of in this
1: announcement today then saying it's all gone except for nursing homes and, and hospitals if employers and indeed retailers can still refuse unmasked people in their shops?
13: Well, the, if I if I put it this way, the 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 Neffett announcement was that you you don't have to wear a mask, but they're advising you to wear a mask. So employers are in a bit of a they're caught between a rock and a hard place. This is the problem. We don't have a a definite masks are completely gone. What they have is masks are gone. But by the way, it's a good idea if you wore one.
1: But say some a shopper who wants to go into a shop that has still has a mask policy. That's per- that they can still be stopped from going in, can they? They have no recourse in any way, shape, or form, unless they have a, a medical exemption. Okay, so nothing's changed yes. really in many cases. Then, and is it well, the same then for people being asked whether or not they're vaccinated? Can an employer ask a staff member that?
13: No, we can't. That's, you, you cannot ask anybody whether they're vaccinated or not. That's a breach of the data protection regulations. So uh, employers have had to work through for the last period of time on the basis that nobody's vaccinated even if you tell them that they are vaccinated. So, look, this is something that there's a a lot of people who are very concerned about having to wear a mask. Uh, And yes, I can fully accept that. I think if somebody has a particular problem, they go and they talk to their employer. And it could well be that the employer says, look, you know, we have people here who are immune compromised. That's the reason why I'm having a mask wearing policy. They might tell you who they are. So, the
1: mask policy is still down to the individual business.
13: Well, it's down to health and safety assessment. Yeah. yeah. So, it, look, it, can I say this to you? You're in, you're in a studio and there's probably lots of things about... The, you've got a lot of electricity floating around yeah, there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there are, there are things that go, don't touch this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's, it's there because of a health and safety risk. So, these are health and safety risks that employers take into account on a daily basis so it's not down to just the employer saying look hold on a moment i'm just going to be pro mask or i'm going to be anti-mask this is the employer doing a health and safety assessment and most of the time it's going to be because somebody is you know they know that somebody is immune compromised you know that's going to be really probably the reason that they may be turning. I them understand. Kind of you to make that point very well. I just
1: wonder whether there's going to be an awful lot of grief with security staff now again, like there was way back in the
13: day, people wanting to go in without a mask, where the policy is to wear a mask, you know? Well, I think it's important if in, if a if, a, if a shop or a business has a policy on this, that it is set out and very clearly set out to those who are coming in. Yeah, yeah. No, and hopefully we won't. Look, I mean, we're getting now... We've, 27 days till we have the clocks change or whatever it is and we get into a in, into the summertime and hopefully the figures will go down and we'll be able to live with COVID in, in in a more realistic way but at the present time I think some employers are being conservative I suppose in they're going to phase it out slowly they're going to see how the figures go right. and it depends where you are I mean if you're in an area that has a lot of COVID you are going to probably be an awful lot more cautious than in an area that has very little COVID. I'd say a lot of people will just continue for now to
1: wear masks, wouldn't you?
13: I think you, you know if you see people that were on the 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 the, the, the buses of public transport today, they didn't have to wear a mask, but most people, most people on did. public transport said, "Yeah, hold on a moment, this maybe I'm not only protecting myself, but I'm protecting others as well." Yeah. So yeah. this is this is there's a bit of pulling together in relation to this with uh, with, but if people have a problem. Go and talk to the employer as to what the reason is. And generally speaking, there's going to be a very good reason. Nobody wants everybody walking around with masks unless they have to. Yeah. Good point, good
1: point, well made. Richard, as always, thank you so much for that clarity, appreciate it. Have thank yourself you. a good day. Richard Grogan from Grogan & Associates, you can follow him on Instagram and TikTok, he gives great legal advice. Morning, love the show, working in a well-known medical device company, we are still forced to wear masks as well as partitions being left up in the canteen. Nothing changed today, there's no sense to it. If you don't have to wear them anywhere else, why are we wearing them at work? Can't, wear, can't come on air as I'm working whilst wearing my mask. Well, thank you for that text. And there are others coming as well, particularly... Um, your views on masks or not. Somebody also said, I saw a text come in there saying 90% of people will continue to wear masks even after today. Text 868
0: Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number oh, 818
1: yeah. If you're watching um, actual ICU numbers, I'm not revisiting, you know, what we were doing over the past two years, but I think it's very significant. The drop in COVID patients in intensive care, it fell to 49 it fell to 49 on Saturday, which was a figure that we haven't seen since last August. Now, it went higher uh, than 100, and, and you know the way it was when there was an awful lot of pressure. But 49 on Saturday is a considerable drop. But they still say there's a threat of the Omicron variant, albeit a less severe one. But other interesting things happened from this morning, uh, and an over. Uh, getting a lot of interaction with regards to mask and uh, policies within individual businesses. But there's changes as well in isolation and, you know, you're staying at home. If you're a positive with COVID, you have to self-isolate for seven days now, Uh, seven days. And a close contact of a confirmed case doesn't have to, no longer has to uh, routinely um, inform anybody, except, you know, do a risk assessment on yourself. Like if you've no symptoms and you're a close contact uh, you, you don't need to stay at home. So the big changes in that regard. Now, if a person in a household gets COVID, other members don't have to restrict their movements if they have no symptoms. It's different if you have symptoms, of course. So all of this changes from today and the face masks in schools and that's for pupils and, and students, um, sorry, and staff. That's also gone. But again, I'm getting the impression this morning that that's also down to the discretion of the principal. So they still have their own discretion, apart regardless of what the government is saying from today and regardless of what Neffet is saying. And again, it becomes even more muddied because even with Nephit in the government, they're still saying, yeah, but, you know, it's best if you do wear one. You don't have to now, like, you know, you're not going to get any grief, but it's best that you do. So there you go. So get in touch, particularly if you um, are in, a, you know, a mask free environment for the first time or maybe not. Josephine, good morning.
14: Good morning, Neil. How are
1: you? So today, big day um, in theory, but in practice. I'm getting the impression a lot of people will continue to wear them.
14: So we're back now again to the lunatics have taken over the asylum.
1: No, in the sense that they're saying it's, discre- it's down to the discretion of the business who well, we might have immunocompromised mm-hmm. staff, you know?
14: Mm-hmm. Like- immunocompromised staff, Neil. So what exactly does that mean? Because... For years, we've had people working in loads of different environments who have been immunocompromised. And they've had to work with all different sorts of viruses and diseases going around society. And this was what we did, it was the norm. But now, because this has been brought out as such a big thing, but yes, yes, if it's that big, you just heard, I just heard yourself there saying that all these rules have all shifted now again. And there's less days for isolation is and you less don't have to isolate at all and yeah. you don't have to kind of isolate out. if you're a
1: close contact now. That's right, and you haven't and you have no any symptoms. symptoms. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
14: Yeah. But it was very different before. So all the rules are very much fluctuating all of the time. Nobody's adding two and two together and asking how did this come about? I mean, You know, Neil, you couldn't just surely make changes inside there in the radio station without explaining to somebody the reasoning behind why you'd be doing it. But now we seem to be able to, and and everyone is living with this. Nobody's questioning it. It's all okay. I I work as a psychotherapist. I've been speaking to you many times. You're an issue with
1: vaccines. You're an issue with masks.
14: Yeah, well, I don't have an issue with vaccines, Neil, and that's wrong. And that's the problem, you see. The problem is that people have this brush that they just brush everything over with one word. And that's wrong. And we all know it's wrong. So at the end of the day, no, I do not have an issue with vaccines. And it's very, very wrong for people to be saying that to anybody. Just because there's an issue with one that's been trialed Mm. on humans, that's Uh. a very, very different thing. And any other vaccines that we've had... We're never on trial on humans.
1: So we should have had different people then. When we were labelling everybody, everyone was labelled as anti-vax. You said there should have been another section saying anti-trial-vax.
14: Well, I wouldn't even... Well, how I would put it now, um, Neil, is that we would be COVID vaccine trial-free and not anti-vax.
1: Okay, okay.
14: Because in my mind, if you decide that you want to go for a trail vaccine, that should be your choice. If I don't, that should be my choice. And it
1: was your choice.
14: It wasn't. It wasn't, Neil, because if it was my choice, and if it was your choice, I mean, if you choose not to cross over the road... You can still walk up the road. And oh, I see what you mean. It road. was your
1: choice not to, but the consequences of it involved not being Correct. welcome in places, not being able to travel, except yeah, okay. okay. And never in Irish society
14: did we ever have anything like okay. That but I just want I just want to try and 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 fi- i just want to now, say to,
1: to with regards to today, I—I am mm-hmm. getting the impression that in spite of the fact that people won't have to wear a mask, say mm-hmm. on a bus or a train, they probably still will.
14: Not everyone. You see, this is the thing. This, here we go again. It's that same one line only. They probably all will. But they probably all won't. And the thing about Do it you is not think that, that the that
1: majority of people probably will?
14: I think the frightened majority of the people might. I think those who have been terrified by, you know, the media, sorry, Neil, but it's the truth, by the media, by the government. Um, Nefes, everyone has take, have to take the responsibility for what has happened but just, to just
1: Okay, well, just hold on a second, because I think Paul is mm-hmm. actually making a statistical claim here with regards to masks coming off today. Paul, good morning. Morning, Neil. You're say, are you? The vast majority of people you're talking to are telling you what? Yeah.
15: Telling me that they're not going to take the mask off.
14: Mm-hmm.
15: They're going to leave it on. And it's, it's looking like mental health is starting to kick in. The mental health. Uh, as I said, I spoke to a guy that was uh, a farmer actually on his Massey Ferguson wearing his mask, and I, th- I, th- I actually stopped the car I was driving in County Meath, and I asked him why was he wearing it in a field on a Massey Ferguson wearing a mask, oh, and yeah, I thought a, a, it's yeah. destroying everybody. Uh, two years later, this is destroying everybody,
14: mm-hmm.
15: and people uh, I've had COVID that, that, we're, that
1: we're afraid now. Are you saying to live
15: without them? Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I just think uh, somebody needs to go in and start uh, investigating all this. Uh, like, p- putting a mask over your face all day is, 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 is going to create issues. Okay? But no, I'm just nobody... trying to work
4: out,
1: are you saying that psychologically or mentally, people are Psychologically,
15: so... the elderly people forced? as I said, the elderly people in the care homes don't have uh, iPads. They don't have smart devices. They don't have anything like that. These are the same people that are worried... And uh, you can see that this time next year, they'll be still wearing masks this day. Put it down. Put today's date
14: down. This yeah, but I mean you year. still
1: could have eight, 9,000 positive cases a day, you know. That's a significant yeah. number. And if people decide, you know what, I'm going to wear a mask now for another few weeks until, you know, the weather changes and, you know, we get into the, the seasonality of these kind of COVID diseases passes in the winter... I'm just going to continue for another little while.
15: Neil, Neil did you not watch uh, the snooker? La- the snooker was on last night, uh, uh, the final, Ronnie O'Sullivan against the Chinese guy. And uh, the place was packed, if anybody watched on television. And the crowd in the background, 99% wear with no masks. Okay? Yeah. Except Chinese people. Yeah. yeah. All wearing the mask. And, and uh, you know, it's, as I said, the football matches... Uh, the rugby, everybody's, uh, nobody's wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're outdoors at a football match, though. It doesn't matter. They're still all sitting beside each other. So, you know, it's, uh, I think uh, people need to wake up. As I said, take off your mask. The children, the next generation that looks up at the, looking out the prams at wearing the mask.
1: I know, but a lot of this it seems will be dictated by employers today, that they will do a risk assessment on the workplace, or it might be a retail setting, and they'll say, no, we are allowed to impose this regulation to continue with it. It's down to the they employee. Keep on changing the so, the, post, uh, so the employee nil. may want to take the mask off, but may not be permitted.
15: I
14: think
15: everybody has their own right, what they want to do. But you we want to wear a mask. Yeah, but you said that
1: 90% of people that you have talked to will not be taken off their masks, no. you're saying. Yeah. No. And that's not their right. Off.
15: And uh, especially the older generation, which is fair enough. But, you know, they're the people that are going to dictate this. We want to keep them safe, though. Yeah, but sure. <laughs> Life, there's been more people dying from influenza B before all this you know, you can go into the CSO website and look at the numbers, Neil. You know, it's uh, as I said, the, the the flu disappeared and now it's back. You know, as I said, uh, there's nobody going into the hospitals. The hospitals are half empty sometimes. You know, and, and
1: uh, have you been any set in any setting today yet where yeah. uh, you did or did not wear a mask?
15: Yeah, there's uh, butchers, local butchers. Um, they're wearing masks just for the customers. But nobody told you to put a mask on? Um, No, but uh, I, I just put a scarf. I wear a scarf. I just put up over my mouth and that's it, you know. it's. Uh, but why are, you, why do are it. you doing that if you don't have I don't to? I do want to do it. Just people look at you, the older generation. You know, they look at you like you have to be wearing a mask. So I'm just
1: putting it yeah, down I to mean, who, who amongst us would want to be going into a shopping mall without a mask when the vast majority of people are wearing masks you know you wouldn't want to be singled out yeah quickly yeah
14: yeah. um quickly um well when i hear you saying that who amongst us would want to do it lots of people would
0: Yeah, yeah lots
14: of people but because as as the government has said it's supposed to be by choice so if people have choice and i back up everything that paul is saying um, I've seen the psychological damage that's after been done yeah. to people just at this weekend an elderly lady who's afraid to leave her home now absolutely terrified to leave her home that's not normal that, that's not normal and if, uh, whoever thinks Neil. that it was okay to put that fear into people um, Neil really needs to get their yeah. own head checked the, fear, the very, fear, very into, fear into
1: people a lot of elderly people died from Covid
14: and a lot of p- elderly people didn't Neil I know. And the problem is, is that did anyone bring on the politicians and ask them Mm. why were our elderly taken out of the hospitals at the beginning of all of this and put into nursing homes? Neil, I myself have a heart problem and I have asthma. I got COVID at Christmas and yes, I was sick, but I got treated. I got treated with ivermectin, HCQ, a lot of other medicines that all worked together. And I came through that very, very well. Not everybody's been told that actually, you know what, you can beat this and you can come out the other side. What they're all being told is, have the fear. Wait, have where the did fear. you get the ivermectin? That's my own business, name oh, okay. but I did get it. All right. yeah. okay. And it is available. It okay. is very much okay. available. And there are some very, very good doctors out there who actually care about the people. And do you think and that
1: who you, do you think you recovered much faster because of that?
14: I won't say that I recovered much faster. I Um, will say to you that I recovered for somebody who's actually quite ill underneath everything else. Yeah, yeah. I I recovered. And I would like that message to get out there to people. Well, I've just... That if you're actually afraid out there, if you're afraid out there, please don't be. Because there are ways of getting better, yeah. and the government are actually refusing to allow that happen. Okay. They're actually. I I, 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 I understand. And I know, doctors. but I, I
1: hadn't. I didn't want to revisit many of those. No, others, and I, I didn't wanted to because to I the... wanted to
14: come back to the masks. I wanted I didn't to talk chance. about masks today. Yeah, and I, I would like to get back to that, Neil, because we're actually now being monitored by hotel owners, by bar owners, by shop owners. We have become a nanny space. Yeah, and we are not yeah. able now anymore to make our own decisions as adults. But did, you, have, all you can paid. make
1: your, you can make your own. I don't know. I don't know who's going to be refused entry to a hotel now. I don't think anybody will. It's their staff are the ones. Yeah,
14: but And isn't the staff an adult? And if an adult staff member says, "I actually would like not to wear a mask now," because we now have a choice, and now some person who's work, who owns a hotel or is managing a hotel will turn around and say, well, no, actually, you can't do that now. But they're
1: not so, troublemakers, employers. They just want to keep an immunocompromised staff member or customer safe.
14: But didn't we always have immunocompromised staff members and staff and staff? Yeah, but and, maybe, and not,
1: maybe, maybe not not liable to be taken out by a lot of the other issues that we lived with before but COVID. But,
14: that's insane now to say that because I had my young son, when he was only mm. 11, he's a ma- married man who... When he was only 11, he picked up TB. I was told at that particular time by the HSE that it was now after an, there was an upsurge and it was because of the influx of different people in and out of the country. And it was actually a problem that they had then. Now, I'm going back only when, when he was only 11. He's now 37. Mm. So we managed to keep that you know, young man, little boy, quite safe. They were not, and they still are not, getting the TB vaccination anymore here. I had two daughters. None of the two of them picked it up, Neil. TB, as we all know, is a very, very dangerous um, disease. And yet we managed to survive, and we were all fine and healthy. Not everybody now, A lot of people Those die people are going in and out of hotels with all different types of illnesses, and you and I do not know who it is, which one it is. And we don't go around worrying or checking to see, does this person look ill, or is that person coughing, or is that person like, oh, I want to move away from them, I need to get out the sanitiser. No, that never happened before, Neil. And it, it, I agree 100% with Paul. People have been terrified beyond belief that they believe that they have to live with masks. I spoke no, no, the I'm
1: just saying, uh, here's a texture If I'm going on a bus or a train, or if I'm going mm-hmm. into a shop, mm-hmm. I'll be wearing a mask. It's not going mm-hmm. to do any harm to wear one, is it? For now, anyway. But
14: that's your choice, the point I'm making. And and what you said yourself, is that the staff members cannot make that choice yeah. themselves, even yeah. though we are all after being told today that it's all our own. You're things, responsible no from
1: not. today for your own virus protection.
14: So if someone goes to work today and says I don't need to wear a mask so I'm not going to and the employer says well I want you to now where do they stand? So is this going to be in the labor courts? Is this go- like this is the mess we're making. Look at what yeah. we're creating. No, okay. No choice oh. is not there their need we're dividing the people exactly. again exactly
15: okay. dividing the people
1: let me get yep. some more calls on this thank you Paul thank you Josephine I think that on line 3 I should have Thomas Thomas good morning,
16: morning. You, just man? jump in there quickly go ahead <coughs> no you're, you're on about masks there and risk assessments and all this crack there this morning you yeah. know? I'm just wondering where, where was the risk assessment for all the, the children that were going into school there for the last 12 months with masks on huh? them There wasn't a risk assessment. There would would have been.
1: There would have been risk assessment that imposed the regulation to wear masks. There was
16: not one risk assessment done, Neil, and we have proof that there was not one risk assessment from the uh, from the appropriate bodies that there wasn't one risk assessment done for these children just a case of trauma on them and send them off out there. No, I'll bring you back to February twenty twenty. But sure, and they wouldn't, the, they wouldn't
1: sure. Sure, sure, surely schools wouldn't have needed individual risk assessment if it was actually a regulation passed by the state.
16: No, but they have told they have told parents and teachers that there's risk assessment. Right. They have put teachers onto the Department of Education that gave teachers the run around until last week and their whole thing was yeah but should have gone no so what's the point even so that's why
1: that's why the protesters outside the primary schools were asking for a copy of the school's risk assessment they knew Correct, it didn't exist they had none yeah, okay. they had none
16: okay. now just okay. one, one point I need to bring it back to February 2020 on the late, late show if you remember our own um, Professor Luke O'Neill was telling Ryan Tuberty about masks and that masks would not protect against anything and people are watching too many horror movies because the, the virus, the little itty-bitty bits of the virus can still get in through the mask yeah, and the eyes yeah, and all this but that, kind of thing. Yeah, but so that's nothing, right? Himself, Fucci, the i put all this up on your Facebook page on the Red FM, under your latest post, i pull put up there, have a look at yourself. I said this to you a few weeks ago that I sent you on stuff. I don't know if you see it or not. It's all there underneath. And all of these health ministers saying in January, in February, and March of 2020, masks do nothing. No need to worry. And then suddenly in June, July, and August, the signs changed. In four or five months, the signs changed. As I said to you a few weeks ago, you are a mask. you are a on- mask.
1: Had to. Reduce risk. It had to like it's well, a mask. It it's your nose.
16: Look, at the, look at the cases we've had, man, for the last 12 months. But sure, like, what some, did the masks do? I, mean, the masks sure, do nothing.
1: I know that I know masks vary with regards to quality, <laughs> and, and some give a few hours protection, other gives 24 hours, and some give 48 and stuff. But like, it has to but figure I, that a medical grade mask can reduce what you're inhaling
16: surely be the guy who, who's who's wearing a medical grade mask me the most masks i see are those blue ones that are That's made on the, the floor ones of had, in yeah. India they're,
1: by they're not, the. they're not they're not great i'm told you yeah, they're not great
16: they're not but sure everyone was hooked to wearing them and my whole thing is if the masks were to offer any bit of protection how did we still have 10, 15, 20,000 positive cases, which, by the way, 80% okay. have zero I wanted, symptoms? How I do know, we still I have know, I know. These? I
1: wanted to talk about the mask change rule from today as to whether people were Well, being it doesn't
16: affect me at all, Neil, because I've never worn one. I've never worn a mask once, and I've been in and doing all my business with everything I needed to do for the last two years. You know, and there's been many other people out there that haven't But there's worn probably them. Yeah, been many places that actually, them.
1: but there must have been many places that kind of reprimanded you for it or pulled you up on it. Absolutely
16: not. Reprimanded me on what? It was guidelines, Neil. That's what people need to understand. There were guidelines and regulations. There's no, no so law. So no security I guard am, in a shopping
1: am. mall or no one at the door of a pub or a restaurant said, put a mask on?
16: No, they said put a mask on. I said I'm exempt. They said, OK, and off you go. The only time I've ever had anyone say to me in the last couple of months was going to the pharmacy for, for, um, for a prescription. That okay, was but the only time. Okay, but Everywhere else, shopping centres, shops, getting my groceries, paying my bills in the post office, going to the bank, all of that. No, never. But, oh, but
1: your exemption, forgive me now, you don't have to answer that, but it wasn't a medical exemption, was it? It was, a, It
16: was, yeah.
1: Oh, actually medically exempt.
16: Yeah, well, that's that's my reasoning for not being able to wear a mask is that I was medically exempt. Yeah, but Norman asked me for anything. Norman looked for anything. I asked my doctor at the very start of it, could I get an exemption? And he said to me that the um, the, the asthma society and other societies have come out and said everyone can wear a mask. So they made a decision. All of these different societies made a decision on behalf of us. So when, I, when anyone that did say anything to me, my whole point of this is Neil, people were afraid to go to the shops because they couldn't wear a mask and their doctor would not give them an exemption. So what's that going to do for the shops? Then people are now after getting into a roto, staying at home, ordering online, getting the stuff delivered free out from Tesco's and Duns, who are now, by the way, bringing in a subscription fee of seven, eight and ten euros a month. So it's a nice little money earner as well for the um, for the shops and stuff, something that was offered for free, like always happens. We'll offer you this for free, PCR test free. Now all of a sudden, oh, you have to pay 90 euros yourself to get it done. We have so many cases in this country, and it's been proven, because they're testing people, they're, they're running cycles of 45 cycles, you can find anything in it, just professors have come out and said this, right. if it was down at the 35 cycles that the World Health Organization advised, we wouldn't have a quarter of the amount of cases. But should it have I'm I know. bit more
1: than a I'm of to little bit to a little bit of a little bit of This was bit of a little bit of a was bit the a the bit of a little bit of a little of a face mask of a apart from public transport. Sorry, and including am, public transport, I should say, except.
16: And I'm delighted, Neil, for of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit over the last 12 or 18 months. But now I'm the hearing the schools are the still school.
1: imposing the mask and they're saying that they'll revisit it in a few weeks' time.
16: Well, now it's time that the parents come to the school gate, Neil. They didn't do it all along. They allowed their kids to go in there and be dictated by principals and board of management. Okay. Now it's time for parents to come to the gates themselves and say, no, enough is enough. I'm not having my child doing this every okay, day. Okay, okay. It's
1: so cheap. All right, All I, right. Need to, I need thank to you. wrap. Thanks, it. Take care, Rick Thomas. Thank you. I'll come back to it in the morning. I see a lot of texts coming in. Jump in on the conversation. We hope to have a look around at uh, one or two shopping centres uh, when we get off the air today and just see what's going on in them with the compliance uh, as those who don't have to wear masks whether they're continuing to do so. So it'll be interesting to report back on that later on. But keep those texts coming. Text 0868104. Uh, uh, 106. Um, and for all of the business, I'm not going to have time this morning. There is a collection for the Ukraine at Douglas Community Park today. Uh, it's at 6 o'clock. They'll be accepting money. They'll be accepting food. They'll be accepting nappies. So that's uh, a Douglas event that's been planned for s- until, oh, it's going on across the day. My apologies. Up until 6 p.m. this evening. Uh, and that's a collection for Ukraine at Douglas Community Park up until 6 o'clock. So money Food, nappies, anything that you think could help the people of Ukraine. People have been uh, phoning us and testing us. How can they donate to Ukraine? That's one way you can. And that's this up until six o'clock today. Just a selection of texts before I go. Um, If I'm going on a bus or a train or into a shop, I'll continue to wear a mask. It won't do anyone any harm. Another one. Please tell that woman that lots of people died from TB. And my grandmother did and my aunt spent seven years in isolation in a hospital with TB when she herself was a child. So that woman says that many older people didn't die. So why should we wear masks? I don't understand that argument. Surely if it saves one life, it's worth it. You don't hear people saying, I've never been in a car crash. So why should I wear a seatbelt? Morning, I'm shopping in Formoy town this morning. And so far, one shop and garage have staff not wearing masks and have taken down the screens at the tills. But a lot of shoppers and even people on the streets walking are still wearing their masks. I, for one, will still be wearing one as I have a child on the vulnerable list. Um, i tell you what, we'll come back after the break. <laughs>
0: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106.
1: Fair play to you. are my eyes and ears. I appreciate every text and I'm getting them. I'm in the city. Nearly every single person in the shops are still wearing masks, Neil. And also passengers on the buses are still wearing masks. Two or three more. I was in Blackpool Shopping Centre this morning. Over half the people in there weren't wearing masks, including myself. A lot of people not wearing masks were actually elderly. And one final one. I'm just home from and Lidl, I'd say it's fifty-fifty. Those who were wearing masks and those who weren't. That includes fifty-fifty of the staff and the customers. Thank you for all those. Keep those texts coming. 0868104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
8: Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out Red for more great Red FM content.